Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Love Tuesday nights. Best night of the week. Welcome to the Wise Guys. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. How's your week? It's just getting started since it was a holiday weekend. That's right. It's almost the weekend yeah, already. It was, it was fun. And a four-day week is always good. We hope everyone Especially it starts out. If the first day of the week is Tuesday and we get to do this, yeah. it's a great week already. Yeah, anyway, great 4th of July weekend. We hope everyone had a good one. There's so much going on. Let's just jump right into the stuff. We'd love for you to jump on. Let us know where you're uh, streaming from. Uh, and if you're just watching at ysguys.com, that's fine and cool, but we'd love to have you stream with us and ask us questions. So you hit the little purple button there, take you to Twitch, get you a free account, and then you're on with us. And you can say, what's going on with this college football realignment? I think it should be this. And be free with your opinions on what you think the Big 12 should do. But let's start right there with first a teaser. Gary Scheide's coming up. BYU's first Sammy Baugh trophy winner. Mm-hmm. He's going to join us live from Minnesota where he's been fishing all summer. That's right. And so we have some, we even fish have some stories fishing, some fishing pictures. Is he going to actually catch a fish while he's talking to I don't to know. Us? I'm not sure how is that's going to happen. Is he going to be happen. lakeside or streamside, or is he just going to be like in a room? I hope he's just somewhere with really good Wi-Fi. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's sure probably going to be in be. a room. One day, one time we're going we're gonna to go do a remote and go fishing with everybody. BYU football's returning production ranking is number one in the country from ESPN. We'll look at that. We'll get defensive. Why the Cougars should be optimistic this fall. And this is this is the second publication that listed BYU with number one returning production yeah. in the country. Yeah, it's so, impressive. Well, yeah. and we'll also show you the ranking of all the opponents coming up. Yeah, this season. Fun. How about Jen Rockwood, BYU yeah. soccer coach, going to be live with us later in the show. She just coached in the national championship game. She'll be with us in the second hour. Yeah, and then let's start with college football realignment. Uh, we got a few minutes before we're on with Gary. Uh, get your opinions on with us. We'll share with uh, as many as we can with everybody. But my goodness, USC's in the Big Ten along with UCLA. The Pac-12 is trying to hold itself together like a wobbly house of cards. And the Big 12's going, hmm, should we expand? Should we not? Let's start with that concept. Should the Big 12 be jumping to add teams? I, I think they should, while the iron is hot, they should get to 16 teams at a minimum if they can because it looks like that's the direction it's going. Which four teams do you want? The ones that you're reading, the, like here's the funny thing. What do you believe right now? I don't know. Because it's, so all, it's all kinds of sources that you normally tr- trust, like CBS and ESPN and ABC. And, and then there's all those that you don't know that are yeah, coming and then, with these. And then, and then there's these crazy ones that yeah. are going, well, I heard yeah. that, My that, friend. that the University of Utah is is brokering a six-team from the Pac-12 bid as long as they drop BYU. I'm like, are you forgetting that the president of the U of U is a BYU grad? Like, come on. Yeah, that, that's so, zero but, truth to but that. But you hear either four or six teams that are having discussions, and this is from multiple reputable folks. It's still all rumor, right? Yeah. But, but the one you're hearing the most often is Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado. That, that those conversations are on. You're also hearing from multiple sources that in addition to UCLA and USC, that Oregon has had conversations with the Big Ten, which would make sense, but that the Big Ten saying we're kind of on hold right now 
And everybody's saying that's because they're trying to lure Notre Dame over. And and depending on what Notre Dame does, who has an affiliation, a scheduling agreement with the ACC in football, and they get a big chunk of money for that. And and they're and they're so they're affiliated in football, and then in other sports, they're in the ACC. Right. You know, so it'll be interesting to see what Notre Dame chooses to do. They certainly have shown over the years that they can exist as an independent in football. But is this the time now, finally? That Notre Dame jumps into a conference. If you're going to do it, you better go to the Big Ten right now or the SEC. If you go to the Big Ten, there's 17 teams. Does Notre Dame want to be one of 17? Yeah. They like to be by themselves. Yeah. And uh, and they can afford it. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to get as much money as Indiana, which is ridiculous. Uh, you you got so many teams in the in the Big Ten that aren't worth $100 million a year, if that's the number they're throwing out for their media rights. Now, the upper group, sure. Down here, no way. Same thing with the SEC. But, but does... Does Notre Dame want to swim in that? Or are they just going to go, hey, look, we're going to stay over here, but we want to be grandfathered in for the playoff, That's which right. they are now, which allows them to do their own thing. Other, other schools have to be in a league. BYU has to be in the Big 12 to have a shot at all that stuff. Right. They, they, and, you know, I think BYU securely in the Big – these rumors that – that, hey, now maybe the Big 12 is rethinking the invitations. Yeah, they're not. That, that's not true because the Big 12, if anything, needs to go bigger than 12 if the if the trends we're seeing and think about the big 10 if they get notre dame they're not going to stay at 17 that's probably where oregon comes into play you go to 18 to 19 divisions or do you just say you know what it's time for us to go to 20 and you add four if you're adding if, if you're adding four and you include notre dame and oregon because oregon's the other obvious the, the two national brands already went the other national brand in the pac-12 is oregon and it's it's most likely because of the money and the prestige that Nike brings along with it and Phil Knight, right? And so, yeah. and they've played in in the big games. Uh, they've they've beat, you know, they've they've had success against some of the big name teams. They competed for a national championship a couple of years ago, where they were in the running for that. So, so Oregon is a national brand. USC and UCLA are, even though UCLA has been horrible, they're they're a long time. They, and brand. they should be able to fix themselves at yeah. some point. In that league, maybe they have enough revenue. And in revenue basketball, they, you know, they bring In it. USC, we were all expecting USC to take a giant leap forward this year with the talent they have returning and with Lincoln Riley as the coach. USC, let's face it, it's a national brand. When you And that's the Pac-12, unfortunately, rose and sunk with USC. And USC's gone. That was the barometer by which everybody else in the rest of the country, especially east of the Mississippi, goes... Hey, is the USC good again? Oh, they're not? I'm not interested in the Pac-12. Yeah. Then, unfortunately. Like, Utah's the better team than any of those in football the last several years. But that's not what this is about. This isn't about who's good and who's not good. No. This is about who's a national brand and who's not. And history, if it's taught us anything when it comes to this, it's that um, these country clubs, which BYU is now a member of the Big 12 Country Club, they like to keep the money to themselves. Why did BYU not get invited a few years ago? They just decided, why are we sharing the pot? Let's just maintain what we have. So if, if you're the Big Ten and you get USC and UCLA and you're going to have this allegedly billion-dollar TV rights thing, why do you want to bring more teams in so and, and, that you can share it? And they, don't, they, they don't like to share They only bring them in if they pull their weight. If they can get right. more. And, and Oregon's probably a break-even break proposition at best in the Big Ten. USC and UCLA with the Los Angeles market and their national rec, you know, rec, recognition, it, people are doing a little uh, um, uh, evaluation of what that was worth. They are talking about the future television contract for, for the Pac-12 with USC and UCLA in it, the long-term contract with them out. 
And some saying as much as $200 million difference over time, over like a five to 10 year period, because the LA market's not involved in that, right? And because yeah. of the national name. And so if you're the Big Ten, you add Notre Dame because Notre Dame more than brings eyeballs, viewership, prestige, all of that to the league well enough to, to bring a return on investment. They felt like UCLA and USC did that. Oregon right on the... Are there other teams in the Pac-12 that the Big Ten says, oh yeah, Washington brings enough that they that they carry their weight? Because if they don't, why do you add them? Right. right? And I, I don't think Washington does carry the weight. And they don't even have Seattle. The Seahawks have Seattle. And the Mariners have Seattle. And someday the Supersonics might come back. Uh, in into Seattle, it's, I, I love some of the stuff that's coming. As, as I'm watching, I, we always, are, by the way, we're always watching the stream as it's coming up. And and low carb Coog, yes, this does count as family home evening this week <laughs> since Monday was a holiday. This is family home evening. You're in charge of the snacks, so yeah. Um, and so absolutely, um, guy asked if I even lift. Um, absolutely, right? Oh, yeah. D- Dave used he to does. go to the gym with me. Dave used to go. Yes, so I go to a different. T- today gym, was man. today was back in biceps. So we had to get those done. Um, so back in biceps. DJ, I'm, why you leave me? I'm, I'm DJ, are you directing? Who's directing this, is, this We're show? looking for our own NIL deal on back muscle mass. Back in biceps today. Uh, I'm interested in... Legs tomorrow. If the Pac-12 is going to try to hang together, and tonight they say they are, and they put out a statement today saying that they're going to they're going to start their new media rights negotiation. And I don't even know with who, and I don't even know what they're negotiating. I don't know what the price of uncertainty is going for these days, but maybe they'll, they'll find out. But if they try to hold it together and they go try to get two more teams, who are they going to get? Is it, is it Boise State and San Diego State? They're not going to pull anyone from the Big 12. Nope. There's no one else that – actually nobody it, can and come in and fill in USC they're gonna, shoes. They're not going to – Take anybody from the Big 12 because the numbers were just revealed of what the Big 12 payout was last year versus the Pac-12 payout last year. Now you lose UCLA and USC. Nope, nobody's going to leave the Big 12 to go to the Pac. No. doesn't make financial sense. So I think you go get San Diego State first off. Quality of program, some some national recognition. Kawhi Leonard did, do, did a lot to advance that. Steve Fisher coaching there in basketball did a lot. On the football side, you, had, you know, Brady Hoke is a national name um, that was at Michigan. They've been ranked in the top 20 like three of the last four years in football. Um, and in basketball, they're always the top 25 team. So that's probably the best team available, Yeah, and, San Diego and what, State. And what San Diego State doesn't have is their own city. Right. They just – no one in San Diego supports anything in San Diego. Except, except for the, the Chargers. Pod, they, they, they do the Padres, though. They got the Padres' new stadium, and, and when they're winning, they support them. Yeah, that's, but that's, we've been in San Diego about State for, what, 30 years? Yeah. They don't come. Unless they are in basketball, twenty and zero, but in football in and, and really football is what drives all this, right? Yeah, this is a total football thing. So, what about the ACC? They're sitting at sixteen teams. There's Clemson, they got and two there's good Florida teams. State, and then there's there's no other names in there, but they're all locked in on TV rights for like till like twenty thirty six. So the question is, do any of these rights fees or rights regulations do they even matter? USC and UCLA are going in 24 because their media deal's up. No exit fee. We're out. Right. We're clean. The Pac-12 should have never let that actually no, and, come and to that's pass. No, and that's why Oklahoma and Texas... Have to stick around. Are, remember, everybody's saying they're going to figure out a way to get out of there. They'll be out next year when BYU comes in. And now all of a sudden they're sticking around to 25 
because the same type of contract that exists in the AAC but runs through 36. Yeah, it's like $100 million. Yeah, yeah if you want to pay $100 million, oh, and by the way, we still own your rights. So go play in the SEC, well, Oklahoma, but, but but every home game belongs to the Big 12. So we get all of the revenue that's associated with it. So, so the SEC so is like, go, oh, we'll oh, wait. Oh, wait. You, you know what? We'll wait for we'll just you wait till 25. That's so, the last thing we want. So BYU gets them in the league for, for a couple of years. Now, obviously, the, the um, American Athletic Conference didn't have that same type of a contract. And so... They behind the scenes it was like there was twenty million. Yeah, so they, behind the scenes they negotiated and they worked out a price. And now Central Florida and Houston and and uh, um, and Cincinnati, yeah. they're all coming over uh, a year early. So it's going to be a big. Le- it's actually going to be the Big Fourteen here for a couple of years. And when you're an independent, you have no exit fee. That's right. You're B- independent. That's why BYU is in such a beautiful place. In addition to getting better and getting deeper and competing at a higher level and playing a P5 schedule the last couple of years and showing that you're deep enough to do that. Those were all important things, but maybe the single most important thing is, hey, how about not being encumbered with any sort of contract and every game that you even signed to in the future had an out if you got into a league. Yeah. So Big 12 goes, not only is BYU a national brand, which they are, more than any of the teams left in the Pac-12, they're a national brand. Sorry, whoever. Sorry, Arizona State. They are. Um, with the exception of Oregon, possibly, who would write. But but they're more of a national brand than anybody other than Oregon, UCLA, and USC left in that league. And they don't have any problems. Like, hey, come. Come right away. Come on in. Yep. TV contracts. The SEC is with ABC and ESPN starting in 2024. They're leaving CBS. Big Ten has Fox and ESPN. Big 12 has Fox and ESPN. Uh, Where does CBS go after losing the SEC? Do they come to the Big 12? I don't think they're going to come to the Pac-12 because they're not interested in 9 p.m. games on the East Coast. They're interested in Saturday afternoon, game of the week, like they've done with with the SEC. But they're a player that all of a sudden has some room. They have some money to spend, but they're not going to throw out a billion dollars. No, absolutely not. It'd be interesting. You know, you think about it. NBC is out of college sports with the exception of Notre Dame. Yeah. It, it just, they just said this bidding war that ESPN created. We got the Olympics. We got other things. Yeah, we got things going on. And you, were, you worked at NBC at, at the network affiliate. I worked with NBC for a number of years. And we would talk to the people in power there, to the executive producers and coordinating producers of sports, and they're just going, you want to know what? There's way more money in NASCAR than there is in college sports. Um, and, and these colleges are really asking for way too much these conferences. So we're not yeah. going to play that game. We're out. Maybe CBS will just go, "Nope, we're going to stay with the National Football League. We're going to, you know, we're yeah. going to do we're going to do the NCAA basketball tournament. We're going to spend our money tournament. where we know our people are." Yeah, we're just we're just not going to we're just not going to go overspend. So we'll see what happens with that. Before we bring in Gary Shady, a couple of uh dates on the calendar. The Cougars report August 3rd. That is in 29 days. We are in wow. July. We're on the back side of the 4th of July. It is now Football season. That's first, less than a month, you're telling me. First official practice, August 4th. Season opener, South Florida, September 3rd. That's 60 days away. Home opener against Baylor, September 10th, 67 days away. That's the uh, Big 12. You think BYU's have a chip on their shoulder for that one? Oh, yeah. Big 12 schedule <laughs> for 2023 is in October. So those who, are some Who of does key BYU things. get? I, like, of all those things, you, I'm excited about all of it, obviously. Probably most excited about just getting the season going. Yeah. But then I look down to that last one. I want to know when BYU gets Texas at home and when, but more importantly, because they've played Texas at home before, and 
trounced them. I was just going to say kick their fannies all over the field. Yeah. But um, I want when Oklahoma's coming to this place. When's Oklahoma coming to Lavelle Edwards Stadium? That's what I want to know. So we'll find out in October. Our first guest tonight is a guy Mark Wilson, Gifford Nielsen, Jim McMahon, and Ty Detmer have all told us that he never gets the credit he That's deserves right. as the man who started the quarterback factory at BYU. Gary Scheide came to the Cougars in 1973 for Lavelle's second season. He came to throw the football, and a year later, he won the Sammy Baugh Trophy as the nation's best quarterback, also the school's first All-American quarterback, and led BYU to the first WAC championship and the program's first bowl game. Inducted into the BYU Hall of Fame in 2011, currently a school teacher at Mountain Ridge Junior High in Highland, Utah, broadcaster for BYU TV, and an avid fisherman. Joining us live from his summer fishing location via Zoom in Minnesota, there he is, hey, hey. Gary Shady. Hey, Gary. He is. Hey, Dave Blaine. Great to be with you guys tonight. Gary, I was hoping you were going to be out like lakeside or streamside, and you were going to do some fishing while you talked to us, but Wi-Fi is probably not very good out there, right? Well, you know, I had uh, Dick Harmon was doing an article about me uh, uh, about a couple, two years ago, and I was out fishing. And uh, he says, you have time, Gary, to, you know, talk a little bit? And I said, sure. You know, I said, all of a sudden, hold on, I got a bite. And uh, <laughs> so we had to go through the, uh, the catch the fish uh, uh, type thing. But, uh, yeah, so Dick and I had a wonderful conversation in between catching fish. I love it. Every summer you go back to Minnesota after the last baseball game on BYU TV, and then you fish. And we've got some pictures that we're going to put up of uh, here. We're looking at them yeah, right now with these your guys brother are not Greg. Messing around. Those are some giant fish. What's the biggest fish you've hauled out of that lake? Well, the biggest one in Minnesota, they don't get as big as uh, other parts of the country, but my biggest one is uh, just under eight pounds. Oh, my. a largemouth bass. Yeah, I'm looking. We're looking at you holding up a couple of largemouths right, right here, and, and we're look, trusting those aren't photoshopped. That's those are live those, action. Those are looking pretty beefy fish. What do you yeah, do with no, those? Those are fun. We we end up uh, in, in the year, we probably catch, I don't know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. We let them all go. We maybe keep about 10 for a fish fry, and they all go back in there. So, Dave, when you and Blaine come out to visit me in Minnesota, they'll oh. all be out there for you guys to Wait, catch. is that an invite? You know how I feel about fish. Is yeah, that if you guys come together, oh. and we're right on it. We're right on the golf course there. So come together, and that's an invite. Can we yeah. play golf and fish? Absolutely, got to make that decision. That's, that's, though I'm talking golf, about. fish, and eat. No, steak. can't we like golf one day, fish like, or get up early and fish, and then golf? Can we do that? You, you can do them both the same day, but the hardest decision is there's about a hundred lakes in Ottertail County. You got to decide every morning which lake you're going to go to. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> that's that's after golfing, so it's I, a tough decision. I love it. I want to know if Gary can cast as well as he used to throw. I, we were talking to Gifford Nielsen the other day, Gary, out in the parking lot, the Country Club, and we told him you were going to come on the show with us, and Gift says. Oh, man, I remember when I saw Gary throwing. He's like, I, I was thinking, that guy's Joe Namath right there. That's Joe Namath. <laughs> so he, he felt like your, your your release was so quick and so much velocity on the ball and, and accurate that he compared you to Joe Namath. That's pretty awesome. Well, it really is. And Giff's a great guy. You know, Giff was redshirting when I was there, and and uh, you could just see the talent that he had. And uh, it, it's just incredible the number of good quarterbacks that BYU has had uh, you know, and the string that uh, went together and, and everyone that's throwing a pass uh, for our, from a BYU quarterback standpoint is part of our BYU club. And I remember one day, Blaine, we had a, a get-together with Coach Edwards. We were having all the dinner there with the Lavelle, and we were standing around. All the quarterbacks were together. And, and you were doing some interviews with a bunch of players there for some, you know, some radio or TV show. And, 
And uh, as we're taking pictures, every one of us said, come on, Blaine, get in this picture. You need to be in here with us. And so we brought you in. And, uh, you know, just to know you, you, every quarterback, just like you, you're part of, part of the group. Yeah, and I got to say that they're, these guys are the legends, right? And they're good to us guys that, yeah, I might go out and complete five or seven in the game. Gary would complete that in a series. You know, <laughs> he, he completed it in a series. Now, Gary, uh, Lavelle was there when you were inducted into the BYU Hall of Fame, but he was also there in the early 70s when you were at Antioch playing high school football. He came down to recruit you, and you told him, thanks, but no thanks. Who tells Lavelle no? Tell us about that story. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. The coach came to my high school, and, and, uh, and he told me he was from uh, Brigham Young University, and I spent less than one minute with Coach Edwards, I was, I was on my way to something else. And I said, Coach, I, I appreciate you coming by. And it means a lot to, you know, to show interest like that. I says, but I'll be honest with you, I've never heard of your school. So and then he went on his way. And uh, that was our first conversation. And then fast forward to a, a couple of years later, after I played in uh, junior college, this time he makes an appointment. He comes to my home and he visits with my mom and my dad. And uh, he brings uh, uh, Coach Whitbeck out with them and and after we got done, we had dinner at our house. And, and after we got done, my mom said, uh, she said, Gary says, I really like Coach Edwards. You need to go visit that school. And that's, that's why awesome. I went down there. Now, Patty Edwards told me that um, Lavelle must have really believed in you or he would have never gone back a second time. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. When I remember when Coach Edwards, and I asked if he would induct me into the, the BYU Hall of Fame. He said, sure, he would. And he came in and he got up to talk and he says, the thing about this, Gary, he says, if you weren't successful, I was going to go to the pass. If you were not successful, he says, both of us would probably not be up here right now. And I may have only had a one-year stint there at BYU. So it meant a lot to get the passing game going at BYU. So you you come up to BYU. You don't know anything. You, first of all, you didn't know anything about the school two years previous. And you didn't know anything about the predominant religion there at the time. And on your recruiting visit, did we get this right? You attended a family home evening on your because we're calling tonight family home evening since yesterday was a holiday, by the way. But yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, you know the uh, situation, Blaine. When you're recruited to a school, uh, they usually set you up with some girls for a date, and you go out and, and do something together. And so we, I went to BYU, and the same thing happened. They set us up with some girls, and we went over to somebody's house, and we all sat around. And then someone said, "Okay, who's got the opening song? And then who's got the opening prayer? And who's got the lesson?" <laughs> And we sat down and we had a family home meeting with all the recruits and the girls there. And, and I just, I could not believe it, how nice everybody was. And it was wonderful. I loved it. And when I went back to, to California, when I was all done, they said, what are some of the things you did there? I said, we had a family home meeting. They said, what's that? I said, I'm not sure. I said, but everybody <laughs> was together. We had a lesson. We had uh, treats and, and, uh, and everybody was nice. <laughs> so you come to Provo after all of that. And, uh, but you're still learning some of the, uh, Little intricacies of the of the church uh, on Fast Sunday. You know, you didn't know what Fast Sunday was, but you found out. Yeah, well, my, my roommate and I, John, John was a was a devout Catholic, and uh, so we we came up together. I talked him into coming up with me, and and we go down there the, the first uh, Sunday of the month, and we were pulling on the door, and the door's locked, and we looked at time, and it was time that you know should have been open, and we hear things like steak conference, you know, with that. Well, we go and get a steak or something, but no, it wasn't a steak, <laughs> steak uh, dinner. So everything we learned was, was totally new, and and when they put us, in, we had to take a religion class, so we took the Book of Mormon class, and we took it from 
Mr. Ledbetter, who was a uh, Methodist minister that had joined the church. So he understood all of us players that were not members of the church and treated us uh, really kindly and, and nicely. And we just learned a lot over time, uh, you know, just, just with all the great people there at BYU. So there's that going on, and then you start throwing the football out on the field, and uh, over 2,300 yards and 22 touchdowns in 1973, and nobody has seen anything like this before. We put up a picture of you, Gary, back when you were playing back here with that long, beautiful California hair, and <laughs> and one one of our uh, one of the our people here on Twitch would have said, "No wonder the girls at BYU were chasing around." <laughs> yeah, Hands well, it was it, it was one of those things where. You know, I, I never heard of a hair standard before. You know, up in California, <laughs> nobody had their hair short. And, uh, and Lavelle kind of told me, he says, you know, don't worry about your hair. We'll work that out. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, but, that, you know, that, I love that. Hair, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll work that out. You just keep throwing it. You, yeah, you just keep throwing the ball and and, uh, and, and let it making us win. And, and we'll forget about a couple of those things. And uh, so uh, <laughs> Lavelle was just, you know, he was just very, very workable. I know I got turned into standards with my hair and, I got to know the guys in standards and they, they would just say, Gary, just don't use your card to check out things, you know? <laughs> so your first wins against New Mexico, 56 to 21. But in that game, Jay Miller, your receiver, caught 22 passes for 263 yards. 22 passes in one game. Were you targeting him on every single play? <laughs> no, well, what happened is they, they ran the wishbone. And, you know, when you're playing a team with a wishbone – you want to you want to just score, and so they would go three yards, three yards, two yards, four yards, three yards, punt, and we would go twenty yards, twenty yards, touchdown, and uh, so Jay Jay was just always open, and uh, he's the kind of guy you come back and you know as a quarterback you say okay what route can you beat this guy on? He says anything, just throw me the ball. <laughs> so he got the twenty one receptions, and uh, and they take me out of the game, and uh, they found out he was one one reception short of an NCAA record, so they put me back in. And they were double teaming him right on the line of scrimmage, man to man, and one guy behind him. And I had tried to hit hit a little hitch pass, and it was uh, it was almost impossible to do. But we got him that twenty second pass and set the record. That's awesome. Hey, it's nice you had a big enough lead in that game to go. Okay, this guy's one throw away from a re- let's let's go get this record. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was nice that Lavelle let let uh, Jay do that. And the great thing about Jay, he had a hundred receptions in one year, and that was the second most in the history of college football at that time behind Howard Twilley. So that was quite a feat. And, and you know, and he went on, he went on to coach a little bit. He was coaching yeah. back in the Ivy league. And when I was in high school, he came and recruited me to go play at Brown university, try to get me to come play at Brown when he was coaching back there and running the offense oh, yeah. and they were throwing it around. So, so you, yeah, if you, if you would have gone there, Blaine, you would have thrown the ball a lot. Oh yeah. With him there for sure. So he's a you great up, dude. You went up to Utah uh, for your first win against the Utes in a blizzard. You throw for 354 and four touchdowns, 50, uh, 46 to 22. Most points BYU has scored against the Utes than the previous 54 games in the rivalry, and that still didn't keep you from getting pelted by snowballs. Yeah, well, you know, the interesting thing is, being from California, to me, Utah was just another game. And uh, all week long, though, everybody was from Utah was talking about trash and BYU and, and me and everybody else. I said, What's, what is this? You know, by the time the football game come along, you just didn't like Utah and you wanted to beat them. And uh, so we just crushed them. And, uh, but the only thing that the, uh, I had to worry about is, is when I ran out of bounds, you couldn't stop and they had a track around there. So you had to kind of slip on the track as you're coming out. And then snowballs were coming down, belting. And it kind of hurt. They did that helmet from a long ways away. But that was the only thing I worried about when we played Utah was the snowballs. That's classic. 
All right, start of the 74 season, you go on a date up to Salt Lake to the Visitor Center, and it actually is the beginning of the change of the rest of your entire life when some uh, the date you were on, as I understand it, encouraged you to sign up to get the missionaries to come visit your house back in California. Yeah, that's true. And, and I, you know, I kind of hesitated because I thought, well, uh, the odds of them getting this information and coming to see me in California before the summertime was out had to be pretty low. So I said, what the heck? And I, so I said, I'll sign up. So I signed up <laughs> for the missionary lessons. Well, I got home on a, uh, left on a Saturday, got home Sunday. On Monday morning, the missionaries are knocking at my door. And I says, I can't believe it. I says, how did you guys get this information so quickly? And they said, what information? And they just happened to be in the area at that time. And uh, it was just, just a chance meeting. And so we went down and I ran through the gauntlet with a lot of questions. And it took a little while. It took a lot of the summer to get me to, to come and believe. But uh, they were great. And, and all the players on the team were helpful in, in answering questions. So it just it really just changed my life. No, there's no things that are by chance, Gary. Yeah. Those guys showed up for a reason. We know that. <laughs> so Yes. Hey, let's. Yeah, I, I really believe that. Yep. You start the '74 season, 03 and one. This was going to be the big season. You're a senior here now. What What is going on? And then you turn this season into the first conference championship and the first big bowl game for BYU. So, what happened between 03 and one, and the rest of the way? We lost our offensive coordinator, Dewey Warren. Dewey was uh, played for University of Tennessee and. Uh, played with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he was just a very knowledgeable football guy. He left for another job at the end of our uh, senior year. So we had a new offensive coordinator, and, and we were putting in new di- different plays that he liked and was successful with, and it just wasn't working. Our offense was not geared to, to the offense he had in there. So after the third game, uh, Coach Edwards sat him down. He sat us, sat us down. He says, we're going back to our old offense, and here's what we're going to do. And, uh, Gary, you're going to work – with uh, J.D. Helm, and who was the offensive uh, uh, running back coach, and uh, Coach Painter, and we we're going to go to the old stuff. And we sat down, and we just drew up the plays, the old stuff, and went to the old playbook, and we started throwing the ball. And we had running backs coming out of the backfield, uh, tight ends, you know, running delays. We had, you know, five guys on routes, and uh, it was like the old days. And, uh, and we came back to Colorado State. We're ahead 33-27. to 27. We just stopped them. We got six seconds to go in the game. You just take a knee and the game's over. Well, I try to take a knee and the ball misses my hands. Uh-uh. It goes down to the bottom of the pile. They recover the football with two seconds left. They throw a post corner to Willie Miller. He scores. The score is tied 33 to 33. Now they're, they go they go onto the field. Um, they get a 15-yard penalty. They miss the extra point, Uh-oh. and it's a tie. Oh, and ever since then – we just we threw the ball, and it was a different team. So that's the tie. That's crazy. Yeah, it's two that's seconds a night. We can't hold on the ball. And then, I, then I go to the ball the next day, and Paul James is saying, Gary, you know, we have you here. What happened out there? <laughs> I really couldn't tell him the truth about what the middle linebacker told our, our center, Warren Olson, what he's going to do to him and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but I never <laughs> got the ball home. It just didn't work. Oh. But anyway, we didn't lose another game in the conference. So, so then you go on and play in the 1974 Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State <coughs> down in Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. Um, you're leading six to zero. Things are looking great. I'm watching this game from home. I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a BYU fan watching the game from home. I'm thinking, good BYU is going to go out here and beat a beat Oklahoma State. Uh, and who was the running back? Terry Miller back then. Yes. I think was it was great running back. 
but you suffer shoulder injury, it takes you out of the game, ultimately out of football. Oklahoma State ends up winning that 16-6. to Tell us a little bit about that game, man. Well, it's one of those things where we, we knew they were a good team. They played very good teams in the Big 12 to, to close games, and we knew they were good. Uh, but we watched a lot of film on it, and they were running a 5-2 defense where the defensive ends were down linemen. So they rushed them all the time. They could not guard anybody. So we felt we could really throw the ball against them. And uh, we've been playing it up all week, how good they were. I don't even know if we had a chance and all this this kind of garbage. And then come game time, we just thought we were going to crush them. And, uh, and we were. We were moving up and down the field. And a guy got a lucky shot on me, uh, separated my shoulder, and uh, had to leave the game. And it was just a frustrating way to end a career there for BYU. It changed your career, too. Um, Bill Walsh. A lot of people think of Steve Young and Bill Walsh. Bill right. Walsh came after you first and uh, and drafted you to the Bengals. But that summer with that shoulder and the arm, it never just it just never got right. No, it never did. And I, uh, I just went to a different throwing motion, you know, without knowing it. And uh, I could not get the zip on the ball, and I ended up hurting my, uh, my tendon. And it's the one where they do the Tommy John surgery mm-hmm. on your uh, ulnar tendon there. And I just could not throw the ball. I could not get the zip on the ball. And they didn't have the Tommy John injury, there, the, the Tommy John surgery at that time. Yeah. So I just ended up, uh, I just couldn't throw. And on the last cut, I made the team, but the last game, preseason game, a safety got hurt. And they had to take another safety. And they went with two quarterbacks and I got released. Oh, man. So Oklahoma State's on the top of your rivalry list as we move forward into the Big 12? Oh, absolutely. I, that's the one team I want to... I'm going to be like you just a crush. <laughs> You're, during that senior year, you walk out of the football office, and coming out of the uh, Richards building <coughs> is a is a beautiful uh, gal by the name of Sherry Stevenson. Uh, how, how, you tell us a little bit about, and the, and as they say, and the rest is history, but what was the rest right there? And then now, and how many children and how many grandchildren did that produce? Well, I was, you know, we were, we were friends. She was date other people and I would date. I, I really didn't have a girlfriend. I just dated a bunch of girls and had fun. But every, after every date, I'd go over to her place mm. and we were just, just good friends, you know? And then, and then one day walking out of the Richards building, uh, I looked at her and it just, it's like when you get hit with a rock or, or something, you just, you know, your, your brain goes, what the heck, you know? And uh, just told me, I got to be with that girl. I got to go see that girl. So we, we talked and then I went out and visited her on my way to Cincinnati and, and uh, and it was just it was just something that's you know meant to be. And uh, since that time, we've had uh, five children. Uh, all of my five children have gone on missions. My oldest daughter went to uh, Kiev, Ukraine. Oh wow! And uh, my next daughter went to uh, Brooklyn, New York. My oldest son went to Alabama. My next son, Marshall, went to uh, Tijuana. My last son went to Peru. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, an interesting story. Dave and I are doing a baseball game, and Dave looks over at the MTC and he says, you know. That one's uh, just about ready to, to get uh, opened up over there, and the cameras focus in. And and I said to Dave, I said, you know, I said, I wonder if there's, you know, people watching in, around the world. I said, I have a son, have a son that's in the, on a mission in Peru. I said, I wonder if anybody's watching the game over in Peru. And uh, so I get home that night, and uh, I look at my internet and uh, look at my email. There's an email message. Uh, Gary Scheide, I just want to let you know that uh, I am had a meeting with your son's mission president today, and there's a number of us that watched BYU baseball and other sports on Roku here in Peru. So what you guys are doing now with the wise guys 
and when and all your broadcasts with football and basketball and and, and also we do baseball and all sports uh, people all around the world are watching that and uh, and BYU is an example for everybody all around the world I'll read you a quote from Mark Wilson um when you were playing at BYU, Wilson was a high school quarterback just outside of Seattle, and he's watching and reading what you're doing. And he told me, quote, everyone assumes that I came to BYU because I was an LDS kid. I came because Gary Shady led the nation in passing, and I wanted to do that too. That's the reason. If it wasn't for Gary, I probably wouldn't have come. Yeah, that's really special. I, you know, I, I think the world of Mark and uh, and all the guys, all the quarterbacks, they're just they're great guys. And and that's the way I was, you know, when I heard about, uh, uh, you know, how Virgil Carter had come here and gone to the, to the NFL, that, that made a difference. You know, at least someone had done it before, but nobody had ever won a conference championship. No one had ever taken anybody to a BYU bowl game. And I thought, well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of see if I can be the leader here and take him to the next level. And, and fortunately enough, because of our defense, we were able to do that. Our defense was tremendous, and and I just took the credit because I was a quarterback. <laughs> Here's another quote from Mark. Yeah, so Mark also said, quote, who knows what would have happened if Gary hadn't come to BYU? Would Lavelle have stuck to the passing game? Would Giff have developed in such a great quarterback? Would I have come? Would Jim McMahon have come? Doug Scoville, Mike Holmgren, Ted Toner, Norm Chow. Would those great offensive-minded coaches have come? It's all so interrelated and so fragile. And the reality is it all goes back to Gary, uh, end quote. Well, that, that's pretty special. You know, I mean, and, and it's, it's like anything else, someone has to start a tradition. And I was just fortunate to be surrounded by great guys great defensive players, uh, great coaches, Coach Edwards, and uh, to be part of that uh, catalyst to get us to the first bowl game and let us to the next step. And uh, it's just something that, that you know, I think about often, and uh, it means a lot to me to, to be a part of the, the, that great institution and to have been a quarterback and kind of let, uh, lead the other guys uh, to uh, be able to achieve what they were able to achieve. It's, it's special for me. Gary Shidey's with the Wise Guys here on this Tuesday night. Uh, let's look ahead. Jaron Hall's getting ready for his junior season. What are you expecting out of him as the leader of this uh, football team? Well, I just wanted to be careful. Uh, he's such a great athlete, you know, but he, he, he just avoid the risk because if he can stay healthy, there's no question in my mind, he could be a number in the first round draft choice again. So, uh, I just say be healthy, Jaron, uh, be wise about stepping out of bounds. Um, and, uh, he's got all the tools. He's a tremendous athlete. And uh, if he's healthy, he'll be drafted in the first round. And BYU will be very successful this year. You know, Gary, BYU, we, we, people are saying to me, is BYU back in the quarterback business? And the, you, they look back to, to when you played. Had you not injured your shoulder, very well could have been a first-round draft pick. Hey, and with Tommy John surgery, you would have played in the league forever. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so then you give way to GIF who's not a first-round draft pick, but but drafted after he got hurt and played a number of years in the NFL. And then we went, as a, as a university, on a string where you go, Mark Wilson, first-round draft pick. Jim McMahon, first-round draft pick. Steve Young would have been the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, but instead he went as the number one overall pick in the USFL draft before the NFL draft, but he absolutely would have been the number one pick in the NFL draft. So we'll just count him as a first-round draft pick. Three in a row, um... And is BYU back in the business? You just have Zach Wilson, a first-rounder. If Jaron Hall's a first-rounder again, are we back to the good old days? 
Well, I hope so. You know, and, and you know how it is, Blaine. The reason, uh, probably one of the main reasons you came to BYU is because of the success, success of the quarterback. And, uh, and, and you know, you, you were uh, an awesome uh, quarterback yourself. But I think everybody that sees success at one position wants to be at that position because that's BYU throws the ball. So you're going to have a chance to go to the next level. And uh, I just think one one good quarterback leads to the next one. And you've got the quarterback factory. Let's get that thing started up again where it needs to be. couple more questions before we finish up. Uh, speaking of starting, your first start in high school, you're at Antioch, and you're taking on Ignacia Valley. <laughs> you complete all 12 passes that you threw that night, six to your team and six to their team. In true shitey fashion, you rally the troops, you win the next nine games. But your first game out, you threw six picks, uh, but you had the tenacity to go back out again. Where, do you, where did you get that? Well, you know, it's one of those things where the funny thing is, Dave, when I got done with that uh, game and, and we lost, um, I was the only one that went over to their sideline, and, my, and I was shaking their hands and telling them, good game, good game. And my, my mom says, look at uh, Bill, that's my dad's name. Isn't Gary, you know, just a great kid? Look, at he's the only one over there on his team shaking their hands. And my dad looks at her and says, uh, well, he's probably got more friends over there than he does over here. <laughs> but, yeah, so then I went back the next – I think I was super sport of the week the next day and hit hit almost 100% of my passes, and, and we beat a very good Concord team. And So, yeah, it's just, you know, one of those things. I, I wanted to share a little quote I, I saw from uh, – uh, Reba McIntyre. Oh, yes. And, oh, yeah. uh, I love Are Reba. you going to sing it or are you going to read it? Oh, I'm not going to sing it. I, I'm <laughs> just going to read it. But here was her quote. She said, to succeed in life, you need three things. A wishbone, a backbone, and a funny bone. Yeah, well, you know, I think that, that goes like for any position in football. First of all, you have to wish and, and hope and dream uh, of what is possible for you. That's the first thing you got to do. And then when you get out there, you got to go do it. You know, you got to do whatever it takes, work however hard you need to, put in the time and make it happen. And then you need the funny bone because a lot of funny things happen on the way there. So, uh, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where I think that was a good successful formula for any athlete, uh, any person. And uh, I, I just want to say, you know, before, before I head out of here, you guys, I appreciate what you guys are doing. Uh, I appreciate you spreading the word throughout the world about BYU sports. And uh, it's for me, it's an honor to be a part of it. And uh, and uh, thank you so much for having me on here. Gary, does your wife even know what part of Minnesota you're at fishing all this summer? Oh, I send her pictures every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I don't know how it's a secret location this is. Yes. So this might be the most she's seen of you for, for some time in our interview. Yep. Hey, what uh, similarities, let's finish with this one. What similarities do you find between football and fishing? Two of your great well, passions. You know, if you want to succeed at something, you got to study, uh, practice, and use the right equipment. And fishing and football is the same thing. If you want to succeed, you've got to find the right fundamentals, and you have to have the coaches that teach you that, and then use the right, uh, you know, right uh, the stepping, the 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 uh, avoiding rushes, the uh, you know all the different things that you're reading as runners come out of the backfield and wide receivers and tight ends, all those things. It's the same thing in fishing. If you want to catch the big fish, you have to be persistent and go after it. And uh, so I like that challenge. And uh, I'm going to have to send you some more fish pictures. <laughs> <laughs> those big fish are swimming in the lake right now. They have no idea what's going to hit them tomorrow morning. 
Kyle might be out there in a few minutes and, uh, <laughs> oh, and maybe see you pitching tonight. <laughs> hey, Gary, thanks for joining thanks us so much, on Gary. your vacation. Hey, and Gary, I was going to say, you remind me, because uh, um, you have done a lot of coaching in, in your lifetime. So when you were done playing, and you've coached football, basketball, baseball. Gary's one of the most knowledgeable baseball guys I've ever been around, which is really cool. People don't know what a great baseball player you were. But we were, we were uh, Dave was hosting the other night the uh, Stadium of Fire with Tim McGraw. Yeah. And he finished up with, with, uh, with the song Be Humble and Kind. And the, one of the lyrics in it is, don't take for, uh, so it says, when you get where you're going, don't forget, turn back around and help the next one in line. Always stay humble and kind. That's you. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank you, Blaine. And I, you know, I think the world of you, you know, you, in, in this day and age where, where everybody just leaves and goes to the transfer portal, uh, you, you stuck it out and, and, and you were a big uh, force in that national championship, uh, uh, you know, uh, games that we had there in that season. And uh, boy, when the Robbie got hurt and you came in the Michigan game, I said, not again. And you came in and man, you were just a little, like a little fireball. And uh, <laughs> you kept the momentum going. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Blaine, for you know for sticking to it and being part of the part of the the uh, great success that BYU's had. Oh, thanks, Gary. You're the best. All right, our love fest is over. Go catch some fish, and we'll see you when you yep. get back to send us Utah. the pics. Send us the pics. Okay, we'll do, guys. Thanks so right. much, and thanks, you guys have, do a great job. Thanks. The great Gary Shidey. Uh, it started all with with him, and you were part of that line. Oh yeah, and um, and now it's Jaron Hall and and whoever's coming next. But, uh, man, to have a good football team, you've got to have a good quarterback. Yeah, and I, I love that. They, I didn't realize until he just told us that part of that story. Like most of Gary's history I'm familiar with because we've been so close to it for so many years, and we've known Gary and worked with Gary. You know, he did some work with us on a, after for the review, and he's done some, some work with us on pre- and post-game shows, and he's done baseball with them. And uh, I didn't know that they got a new coordinator at the beginning of that 74 season and they were going to run the football. And Lavelle, and people are like, what, is Lavelle that involved? Yeah, he was, Lavelle coached the coaches and then and then he let them coach. But when it wasn't going the right direction, Lavelle pulled him aside and said, okay, we're not doing this. This is what we're doing. We're, we're going to go back and we're going to throw the ball and this is what we're going to do. So Lavelle was committed to throwing the football when nobody else in football was committed. And he knew he had the guy that could throw it in Gary Scheide. And it started a trend that not only affected college football for a long, long time, because all of a sudden, BYU's beating teams with more talent. It was, the, it was the great equalizer. And BYU's out there you know, beating the SMUs of the world and, 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 and on and on and on. Um, and then it, it even carried over into the, into the national football. The West Coast offense... You know, you know, Bill Walsh gets a lot of credit, but it's that whole group of guys, Lavelle Edwards, Bill Walsh, Doug Scoville, um, you know, Mike Holmgren in the league, Andy Reid's carried on that tradition. Um, it started a trend in football where throwing the football was was the way to go, and Lavelle was committed to it. Gary Scheide was the was the, the, the guy that was was getting it done and changed the game of college football. Really cool to have him on with us. Jen Rockwood, the soccer coach at BYU, is going to join us in about 20 minutes as she gets ready for a, a new season. Big schedule, a lot of stars to replace after coming from the national championship game. So hang with us, and if you have a question for Coach Rockwood, uh, stream it to us, and we'll ask her and, and have a good uh, soccer combo coming up. Um, ESPN's Bill Conley released his updated returning production rankings for college football. And, of course, it jumped off the page to us because he has BYU number one. Right. With an 85% rating. 
returning offense from last year, which was pretty good, 10-3, and three, uh, and when healthy, they're nearly unbeatable. Um, they went in mostly healthy against Baylor and got beat by a better team. But and, outside of that. And it's, it's interesting because, like, Ohio State and Alabama never show up on this list. Well, why is that? Because every five-star guy, is there such a thing as a five-star or is four-star? No, five. So five. Every five-star guy is backed up by a five-star guy. And they have a high turnover rate. Guys go out early. So you've got an All-American at left tackle and left guard. Those guys go and be first-round draft picks, but you replace them with first-round draft picks so they don't have a drop-off. But outside of those elite, elite teams, outside of, let's just say, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson there for a while, yeah. but not Clemson last year, right? Oklahoma maybe a little bit. This is a pretty good predictor of success. Remember Utah last year? Everybody was saying this is the best team that Kyle's ever had. Part of that reason was that they had so many returning guys. And the Baylor quarterback transfer. And and, and so Baylor with five offensive linemen coming back, their entire back seven coming back last year, they were right up at the top of this list last year. Yeah, they're not at the top of this list. But this year, look at where, where BYU is. Baylor's 126th. Utah was right up at the top last year, 48th. You know, Arkansas, who, who BYU plays, is at, is at 65th. Or, or, or at, uh, uh, yeah, 64th. Um, and you have, like, Boise State's got 26. South Florida is BYU's first opponent, is number two yeah. in the country. And it's interesting that talking to the coaches, they've been doing the scout for South Florida and getting their game plan ready already. They're going, whoa. These guys have a lot of talent all over the field. Don't sleep on South Florida. No. This one's, this is one that, and I think it's good that BYU got beat down there the last time they played down there. So these players have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they got a lot of production coming back. Especially but, the quarterback who was sacked five times and knocked out with a concussion. Right now, Jaron Hall gets to go back. He gets to go back. Revenge is sweet. It, it can right? be. Stanford is number seven. They got Tanner McKee back at quarterback. Right. So BYU will finish the season. Uh, at Stanford, and they're number seven on Conley's list of the of the top. And Utah, returners. Utah State's a team like they were way up high last year, um, and but people didn't have high expectations. They outperformed those. I believe it's because they had so many veteran players back. Utah State this year is 117th in the country in production. That kind of surprised me. That kind of surprised me. He thought me. they had more more coming back. And Wyoming surprised me. They've been playing well, and I'm, I was thinking, hey, Wyoming's going to be a tough game. You can't sleep on them, and why you can't do that. They're sitting at one twenty nine. Yeah, yeah. So they have. I, I think. I think Boise State's going to be formidable with seventy three percent of their per, you know production coming a returning production ranking seventy three percent of their points tackles all of those numbers that they put into that coming back next year twenty six in the country. So so you can look for them to be good. They're always good when they got a lot of veterans. When BYU has a bunch of veterans coming back and a quarterback that's been starting before and has experience. It usually that that is the formula for outstanding football seasons, and and you look at all the guys that were missing last year, and they still won ten games. When you lose Keenan Peely and Peyton Wilgar and Chaz Ayu and Max Tooley, um, you know, and Batty not really one hundred percent healthy last year. Off of that defense, that at the beginning of the year, people like they couldn't stop the run. At the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, could Utah run on them? No. No. Could Arizona run on them? It's like they, Arizona State? No, no. Right? And those were teams that could run the football against yeah. other people. But you start to lose some of those key cogs. Well, they're all back and healthy this year. So I think that that number one means something. And that's why you're seeing BYU show up in a lot of preseason rankings because they look at that and they realize they got Jaron Hall, a, a possible first-round 
draft pick back. And we felt it at uh, Media Day. You feel the confidence of yeah. the, this group of like, Absolutely. we're going to go out and do this as opposed to, we're going to go out and hopefully do this. You know, that's a whole different different sentence. Hey, stream us your opinions and questions. We're going to talk about the BYU defense here for a couple of minutes and then bring Coach Rockwood on. Will the BYU defense steal the show from the offense this fall? The offense has expectation of, you know, well, they're number one in the country in returning production. So the defense doesn't have to be like up here to steal the show because we expect this to be the show. Where can the defense come in? Here's the thing about BYU's defense. They've been better than people give them credit for. And we always used to say in in the olden days, but but any good defense coach will say, you know what, it's not so much about uh, total yardage that we're giving up or where we're ranked in past. It's, it's about scoring defense. Like if you manage points, then you win games. And that, that kind of watershed mark has always been 21 if, if you've got a decent offense and you hold a, a team to 21 or less, you should win the game or it's the offense's fault right. in today's college football environment. And, and for the most part, they did a pretty good job of managing points. Even teams that had big yardage, they managed points. There's a couple of exceptions, um, like Virginia, where the thing just was crazy up and down. And Baylor, where they got they, they really got schemed and, and beat up a little bit because yeah. they were shorthanded. But... Outside of that, they've managed points pretty well. Last two years, the team's 21-4. and four. 16 of those wins came when holding opponents to 20 points or so that's less. What, that's exactly what we're talking about there, right? 5-4 and four when allowing 21 or more. Huh, interesting. At Coastal Carolina, number 14. At the Big 12 champ, Baylor, Boise State, and UAB, the four. Those are the four losses. Four losses. 5-0 and oh against the Pac-12, Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, Washington State. Those four teams held to 19 points or less. Right. And I'll tell you, the one that, because Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State, they were still re- relatively healthy at that time. They played Washington State fairly depleted and held them down. And Washington State was pretty good offensively last year. And they had their starting quarterback in, right. which she didn't play a lot of games. He played that one. It, it was one of the most impressive defensive efforts for BYU, I thought, all season long. I was most impressed with Virginia, uh, and it, not because of the first half. And we sat there and watched – BYU allowed 35 points in the second quarter. They go into halftime. They make an adjustment, Elisa Tuiaki and Kalani, and, and they come out, and Virginia scores uh, one touchdown in both the third and fourth quarters combined, and BYU runs away with the game. So you can go, ah, I, can't, I can't understand Tuiaki because of that first half, but then you look at the adjustment he made and look at the second half and who won the game and how, and I think that was one of the best – examples of of BYU's defense that year and it came in a game which statistically was its worst but it's how they adjusted and won that I thought was impressive and what what was the quarterback's name for Virginia last year was Brendan Armstrong right so Brendan Armstrong had one of the best most accurate crazy throwing days I've ever seen a quarterback have in Lavelle or Stadium first off so he was he was like a streak shooter that got hot and it didn't matter whether you put five guys in his face or not he was going to throw the ball in a perfect spot with velocity. Just, he was phenomenal. And then he was running around like a crazy man back there, right? Well, BYU went into that game with a game plan um, where, where they were thinking, hey, let's use a Central Florida kind of a game plan where we play man-to-man all over the field. They run a lot of throws and spread. Let's just get up and play press coverage and play man-to-man. 
And they, they, they did not anticipate that Armstrong was going to be so unbelievably accurate. Like, he was throwing it into the tightest windows. Receivers that were covered were getting hit right in the numbers, and they were completing balls. So Tuiaki goes in uh, at halftime and says, got to go to a drop eight. Need, need to... He is so accurate right now. We got to get more people in coverage. We got to clog the throwing lanes. We, we, we just have to get hands in those throwing lanes. And we, the D line, you've got to hold the line of scrimmage. We've got to react to the run. We got to keep things in front and come up and rally to the football. So he gives them that charge at halftime, and they come out and they execute that to perfection. Almost the complete opposite game plan in the second half to yeah. the first. That's a great adjustment. And they shut Virginia down in the second half. Algier ran wild. The offense scored 66. The defense gave up the seven in the second half. Virginia finishes with 49. Way too many. But after what you just explained and the adjustment, it's like that's how you win games. Yeah. You make an adjustment and shut down what the other team's doing right. When somebody does something you don't expect, um, you know, there's some things that they might do that, that you go, okay, we can fix this next series. You get the defensive off and you fix it. There's other things that's like, listen – we're going to make a wholesale change in what we our game plan was. You do that at halftime, and thank goodness BYU's offense was out of their minds in that one, right? And so uh, so that offense just kept rolling. Virginia obviously didn't make the same adjustments at halftime I don't, that BYU they didn't make one. did. They, I think they thought Algier wasn't going to come out for the yeah, second half. Yeah, so. It seemed to be how they did it. As we look at this defense, um, Elisa Tuiaki's got health. All around the place now. And uh, you mentioned a moment ago the linebackers. Ben Bywater, Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, Pepe Tanavasa, uh, Max Tooley. That's a pretty good group. Well, I, I've been looking at Ben and Keenan as they've been working out and stuff. And, and, and Peyton, too. Um, ben looks like Hercules. Yeah. Keenan looks like, I don't know, what's another? He looks like Atlas. And Peyton looks like Thor right now. That's a pretty I'm, good lineup. No, and here, here's the thing. Peyton was always like a big, really fast guy where you're like, man, that's that's a big dude to be out to be moving that fast. He's got such great instincts. I think in his rehab process, I mean, he is cut. Like he is really, really looking lean, but he's, he's still probably 240 and running great. And remember, he just had his shoulder cleaned up, so he's he's ready to roll. Keenan always looks like he just looks like an NFL backer, and then and then Ben Bywater's gotten bigger yeah. and leaner and faster. Leading tackler, from yeah, last he's year. he's going to be something uh, in the middle of that defense. And Pepe, you know, the the Navy transfer just has a knack for for getting to the football and taking good angles. What I like about Pepe is he can play linebacker. But, but you can also put him on the line of scrimmage at the end, either a rush linebacker or put him in at the end if you need to. He's a really good pass rusher. One of BYU's best from a technique perspective, pass rushers. So, Well, Tyler Batty's going to be the lead pass rusher. Um, at least that's what we anticipate from that defensive line spot. He's back healthy. I mean, he's been nicked up the last two years, uh, whether it's a hamstring or an ankle or whatever. So... Going into camp anyway, he's, he's going to be full speed and ready to go. Uh, Batty, and then there's, there's like nine guys or so it feels that have experience on the defensive line. Yeah, so, so I mean, just, just, just to go through some guys. And all these names, you're going to go, oh, yeah. I, for, I, for, heard I, of him. I forgot about heard that of guy. Him. He yeah. played. He played. He played. So a bunch of experience coming back. Earl Tuioti Mariner, um, who, who's about 290 right now coming back. 
like Mangelson, who really came on at the end of the year. He's put on some weight. He's just going to be a sophomore this year. He's up to 270 now at 6'5". John Nelson, who I think is, is a real sleeper and is going to be really, really good um, at 6'4", and he's up to 275. These guys were like 255 last year, Nelson and Mangelson. You, you watch how they step. We, we know about Tyler Batty, uh, but Alden Tofa played, has played a lot of snaps, um, and, and he's at 272 right now. Fisher Jackson is, I feel like, one year behind Batty. You know how Batty just kind of came on last year? I think this is Fisher Jackson's year, yeah. and he's got that kind of long edge rush kind of body at 6'5", and 250. But but how about Gabe Summers? He's taken a bunch of snaps. He's a, he's a 300-pounder. Lorenzo Fautea's back at 300 pounds playing inside. It's like an um, army of guys yeah, up front. And, and Caden Haas. Remember, Caden got nicked up a little bit, but Caden was a bulldozer in there at 320 pounds. Josh Larson's 300 pounds play, playing inside. Um, and Atanase Mahe, we forgot about him. Yeah. He, he was playing a couple years ago. Um uh, and, and doing a phenomenal job and and had injuries last year. So he's back at, at full speed. Um, they may have more D-linemen than yeah, offensive it, linemen. It's, it's what ha- people are going, well, who, what are they going to do in the D-line? And I start to read names. I'm like, that guy played, that guy played, that guy played. But he was a freshman. He was 250. Yeah. That guy was a sophomore. That guy was injured. That guy was coming off of an injury. When I read through that list that I just that I just went through with you, all of those guys can play. BYU is actually in good shape on the defensive line, and some of these guys are going to grow into those positions. I think Batty, if he can stay healthy, is going to have a phenomenal year. I think Fisher Jackson's going to have a breakout year. But there's a lot of size. You know, you think, oh, BYU, just, they just seemed a little undersized. Summers is 300. Faute is 300. Um, then, then you've got Caden Hawes at 320. You've got Josh Larson at 300. You, you've got Mahe at 310. There's plenty of size and plenty of strength on the inside of that D-line. And uh, and if they, you know, now they've got depth. They've developed depth over the last couple of years. These yeah. guys have grown into the position. I'm not concerned with D-line coming into the season. Secondaries loaded with experience. Caleb Hayes, Malik Moore, D'Angelo Mandel, Jacob Robinson, Micah Harper, Caleb Christensen, uh, Gabe Judy, among others, some newcomers in there. Uh, it, it'll really be the, the battle for... There's only so many that can go out there at the same time. Yeah, and I'll tell you who really played well down the stretch was Ammon Hanneman. Yeah. Remember, he just kind of came onto the scene down the stretch. And it's like, whoa, this this dude can play. He can start a strong safety for him. 200-pounder, keeping the Hanneman family you know, tradition alive. Because um, I think he has a chance to be to be really good. And Michael Harper wasn't healthy. He's back. You just you just have so many names of guys that have played. I, I love Jacob Boren's story yeah. because he was over on the offensive side of the ball. And he was playing slot receiver. Um, he, he's arguably, I, I don't know, I'm going to try to think who's going to say this isn't true. What players, I think he's the he's certainly the quickest player on the team. He might be the fastest 40 on the team, Boren. He's like lightning, lightning fast. Great feet. But they were so deep at receiver last year that the defense said, hey, if he's not going to play a bunch over there, kind of like the offense when Algier wasn't playing a few years ago, yeah. and the defense said, well, We'll take, we'll take him. him. We'll have him play linebacker. over here at linebacker for now, and then eventually he went back. And yeah, that was he should have never come over to defense. By the <laughs> way, but um, but I Boren, they said if he's not going to play over there, if he's that deep, we think we could play him over. Here. He's such a good matchup when BYU plays these teams that have these really lightning fast, quick slot receivers that you can match Boren up on them, and he can run with them. 
Great story of switching positions and having value, and and, he, and he's going to be a good one again um, on that defensive side. Uh, they've, they've had a lot of guys step up. They have some new transfers that have come in. They're going to be really good. So the goals for the defense, and remind you, Jen Rockwood's coming up here in just a few minutes, BYU soccer coach, and we'll talk about the other kind of football. But let's stay with the defense for a moment. What are the goals for this group? that can keep BYU in the top 15 moving forward against a, an aggressive schedule. They have to be they have to significantly improve at stopping the run. Even against teams that don't like to, to run. Yeah. Like I don't care if you're playing Washington State and they're throwing the ball 55 times, if you can eliminate their ability to run the ball, you can keep you can keep points down. Um, and remember, they had they, have, they had a good running back this last year, and BYU did a pretty good job against him. And and that's on, that's on you know, um, Medward one just said, I hope the linebacker core is ready. If they're all healthy and ready, it's on them. Yeah, your your run stopper, a D line has to control the line of scrimmage, but backers make tackles in the run game. They're the ones that play downhill. It's a great group if they stay healthy. They need to stay healthy, get their mojo back like they were at the beginning of last season. That's the number one thing in my mind is to stop the run. And, and why do I say even if you don't want to run? Spread teams, when they get down in the red zone and everything gets tight, if they can't run it, they settle for field goals a lot. And so when you're playing against these teams like, that, let's say, Oklahoma, that throws it all over the place, Oklahoma also runs it really well when they get in short yardage and they get down next to the goal line. That's why they one of the top teams scoring in the nation. If you can keep it so teams can't run it at all, they might throw a bunch of yardage on you, but they don't score and you win games. Number one, stop the run, even against throw teams. Hey, DJ, will you put up our after further review graphic? That's coming up. We want to hype it up. We yeah. hype it up. Stop yep. the run, pressure the quarterback. Yep. How about get off the field on third down? Oh, third down. That was defense a killer. Was, and, and we always talk about you want chain movers on offense. We had Chad Lewis on here last week. He was a chain mover. Yeah. Third and seven. Dennis Pitta, chain mover, like all those great tight ends, chain movers. They convert third downs. On defense, you you got to eliminate chain movers on the offense. You got to be able to lock down on third down and get off the field. And BYU at times last year struggled. And sometimes there's nothing more frustrating than having everybody covered on third and 11 and not keeping your rush lanes on the defensive side and letting a quarterback escape the pocket and go run 13 yards for a first down. Those are back-breaking. That happened way too often on defense last well, year. Well, think about it. South Florida had the ball for 15 minutes more than BYU because of their ability to do just as you described. BYU won the game. They led the whole way, but they were out there forever because they could not get them off the Gotta field on third the down. Field. And, then, and then what happens is late when you can't get off the field, late in games, you're worn down. You're worn down. And, and remember, here's what happens, too. When you're on the defense and you're in the secondary, and BYU rotates a little bit, but you don't rotate secondary like you do wide receivers. Wide receivers go run a streak, and the quarterback chases them 60 yards down the field. The receiver runs off the field, and another guy goes into the huddle, and that corner goes all the way back and covers the next guy. Yeah. And so if you're not getting off the field on third down, you get into the fourth quarter, and you're worn out. And, and that graphic we just saw about AFR, the run into history with Tyler Algier, when that dude's running at you for three quarters, if you're not getting off the field, you're beat down as a defense, and he's averaging seven yards a carry in the fourth quarter, right? DJ, can you put that back up again for a second? The season premiere of After Further Review. Three weeks is all from tonight. 
an hour-long special Tyler Algier run into history. Watch it at 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain on the BYU TV app and BYUtv.org. Just ahead of an all-new Wise Guys. That's coming up Tuesday, July 26th. That's three weeks, and we're in it. I can't even believe it. Here we go. Let's go. NFL camps 13 days before the Raiders and Bills rookies return. A report to camp 15 days until the first full training camp workout, which is by the Raiders, and the Raiders and Jags play on August 4th. And as we've said before, once the first guy shows up for practice, it's football until the end of the Super Bowl. You got to love it. It's the best time of year, isn't it? And Yeah, the buildup is, we're, you know, we're all about the buildup. Uh, so much in sports. So many times, title fights in Vegas, the buildup was so much greater than the actual fight. Let me, it might last for 20 seconds or, or whatever, but the three months of of fandom, uh, and I think that's the, I think countdowns, we love countdowns. That's why we like to count down to seasons and this and that, because it um, it just takes us to a place. Well, and one, once we get to after further review, that means it's on. That means the guys are practicing. That means we can talk about what we saw this week in practice and who's looking good and who's healthy and and who's not and who's stepping up that we didn't expect to step up and so it's on. Once, once we get to after further review time on this show, on after further review, when we're on Sports Nation, which aren't you hosting Sports Nation again tomorrow? Yeah, we're an early, early yeah, you, day. You've got tomorrow. it tomorrow. I got, it. I've got it Thursday. We got to keep Spencer company because he gets lonely. Yeah, he does. He can't do it by himself. Hey, next week on our show, uh, Scott Warner is going to be here, the CEO of Gig. Now he's going to explain how the NI deals are working from the side of the business right. job provider, which will be interesting. We haven't heard that yet. We've heard how it works. From the BYU end, well, now let's hear from someone who's given a bunch of money, and this is what they get access to. Right, and I'm interested to pick his brain a little bit because my, you know, we understand that he really knows how it works and how the yeah. laws and regulations work in the state and, and other places. I'm interested to ask him: Is what just went down at Miami in this dueling? Here, here we'll give you an 11 million dollar nil deal. We'll give you a 9.5. The quarterback chooses a 9.5 deal because he says he likes Miami better um, than Florida. It's a better fit. It's a better fit. And 9.5 million is enough. I want to know if all that stuff was even legal. Yeah, and how social media has changed everything yeah. for these So it'll be, it'll be fun. He'll, he'll help us understand what, what BYU can do within the realm and how the BYU is going to compete in that and, and what they actually can do uh, to stay relevant. We'll so, have a cold cereal debate. As well. Yes. It'll be tasty. Oh, yes. Uh, July 19th, the governor of Utah, the former governor, the 17th governor, and Orem High School quarterback, Gary Herbert's going to join us. And August 16th, we confirmed this over the weekend, Maria Osmond's going to join our show. She loves BYU. She was here during the heyday, during your day. Yes. And uh, I talked to her at Stadium of Fire, and she's locked in. Maria and I shared, for a, August Maria and I shared, an, a, shared an agent way back in the day. Yeah. At the same agent back in the day. That's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know if we'll be singing or dancing. We've been talking sports, but we'll, well, uh, we'll hype we'll, that one up we'll, as we'll we get talk, We'll definitely talk sports. And you know what? Marie's big into fitness and nutrition and all that kind of stuff, too. So we'll leave that in a little bit. Because I need, I got to get, I got to lose some LBs. So. What, for the season? And I don't know. If, doesn't, what, is, what does Marie do? She's, it's like Nutrisystem. Yeah. I don't know if she does. I don't, maybe that's the answer for me. I got to do something. <laughs> My, <laughs> like I do all of these, all, all this working out. The main exercise that i'm not doing that i'm neglecting do you know what it is abs no push aways push away from the table <laughs> i need to push away well, from those the are table. pull-ups i, I need to, pull -ups I need to, to the push table. away from the refrigerator that's 
pushaways are what I need to do. And maybe maybe Marie Osmond has some advice for us when she comes on with us, and she can tell me how I can lose these last 10 LBs that I need to lose. Season tickets go on sale for BYU soccer to the general public tomorrow, starting at 10 a.m. Yes. Mountain Time. Cougar Club members, current season ticket holders, you can still buy yours tonight. Call the BYU ticket office at 801-422-422. 2901. It's an amazing home schedule. We've got the head coach on with us live on The Wise Guys, Jen Rockwood. I'd say, uh, Coach, uh, you've really followed a legacy in the soccer program, but you are the only coach in the soccer program ready for your 25th season. Congratulations on all that. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, we're super excited about this upcoming year and and season tickets go on sale, and uh, I think we've already sold a lot, uh, more than we have in the past. So it's exciting that we get such great support from Cougar Nation. Once in a while, I go over and try to act like a big deal and weasel my way in and sit up with the broadcasters. <laughs> but I also have gotten tickets and sat up in the stands for, for a women's soccer game. Is I don't know of a better, maybe you do, of a better home soccer environment than we have right here at BYU. It, it is an amazing experience, is it not? Yeah, we're super fortunate that um, we've got this great facility and we've got the best fans in the country uh, for sure. And there's only a few venues across the country that I think pull in the fans like we do that have that environment uh, where uh, the fans are really into the game. And, you know, I told the players that we have to we make sure that we win. We play uh, fun soccer, attacking soccer, score a lot of goals, and and they just might come back and watch us play some more. So we've been fortunate to do that. And, again, our fan base is fantastic. Uh, you know, we, we put a lot of kids through our camps where they get to come and meet the girls and want to come support them. And, you know, it's all grassroots uh, a lot for us uh, with our fan base. And we spend a lot of time trying to get to know the community and the fans so they come out and support us. So, yeah. It's a, a fantastic place to view women's soccer. Our live stream's hopping tonight. A question from Laura. How are the new players looking, and has Big 12 been helping with recruiting here early on? Yeah, our, our new players look fantastic. We had uh, we signed eight girls for this fall. Um, obviously had to, to try and fill in some big shoes with the Kayla and Cam and Cass and, and Grace and so many of our great seniors uh, you know, moving on. And um, the, the great thing about this class is that seven of the eight girls graduated from high school early because they were so excited to get on campus and start working out with the team that we had them in January. So they got to play in 10 spring games, which is a huge advantage, I think, going in. They, you know, we see them back. Everybody's kind of back in town. We're, they're working camps and they don't feel like true freshmen because they've trained with our team for four months. They've already been a student and they've played in some big games. So really encouraged by the new additions that we're adding to the team this fall for sure. Looks looks really good. You know, we we had so much fun getting an opportunity to watch Ashley Hatch play at Rio Tinto for the U.S. Women's National Team. Was it last week? Yeah. My times. I'm getting old, Jen, so I, I can't. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I have no recognition <laughs> of time. A day feels like a month, but, but we got to watch <laughs> Ashley, which was really cool. How much does that influence when you have somebody playing at that level that you've produced – um, how does that help recruiting and, and the level of player that you can go after? Well, I think it's, it's huge. You know, Ashley came to BYU and actually got her first cap while she was a senior. So our team had a chance to go to Rio Tinto and support her in her first national cap um, probably five years ago or so. Um, but I think it, it says a lot for what our program um, can do as far as developing players and getting them the exposure. Um, 
And Ashley's been such a tremendous role model for, you know, players who are interested in BYU and, and coming. And she's just done such a great job. Um, we're so proud of her. She's so fun to watch. She's worked so hard and, and it's just so exciting to see all the success she's had at the NWSL level. And then obviously with that success has come um, her run with the national team. Well, now you have the Vaca twins who are on your current roster. They're off to play for Tonga's national team and try to get them qualified for the world cup. Yeah, really, really look forward to seeing how they do. They they went with that team, I think their senior year in high school. Um, they had a chance to go participate in that. And now they've obviously had tremendous success at BYU and have a chance to go back and um, look forward to, to seeing about their experiences. And, you know, Kayla Coulihan was uh, off in Sweden playing with the U23s and, and actually has a reserve spot on the U.S. national full roster if uh, anyone gets injured here in the, in the near future. So, um, you know, girls playing at that highest level is, is obviously great for us in recruiting and showing that we're bringing in great players and, and helping them develop to, to raise their game to the highest level. Okay, now I'm going to really put you on the spot, and you may figure out a way to answer this politically correct, but <laughs> who's, who's the best player to ever come through the program? You know, that's a that's that's a tough question. We've had some great ones, especially at the national level with Alicia Rose, you know, all the experience that she had coming in. Um, but I would say the year that Kayla had last season uh, and let us help lead us to the national championship game. She was the top points person in the entire NCAA and a Herman Trophy semifinalist. I think with all the accolades and what she's done. You know, you, you kind of have to give a nod to what she's been able to accomplish, although we've been extremely fortunate, obviously, to to have a lot of great players come through our program. The uh, Painted Cougar has uh, streamed on to say they just bought their season tickets. Uh, <laughs> and also he has a question for when you look at the Big 12, which is another season away, what is mm -hmm. the big atmosphere? Is there a, a program where you're looking forward to taking the, your team to? Oh yeah, we we really look forward to the the Big Twelve Conference, and we've been very fortunate in the WCC, which is an extremely high level uh, women's uh, soccer conference, with Santa Clara winning the national championship the year before last, and then returning to the Final Four. There's great history, so I feel like uh, our our presence and our opportunity to compete in the WCC has really helped prepare the way uh, for us to enter the Big Twelve and go in expecting to have immediate success and start playing for that championship in our first few years. Um, we're familiar with a lot of the teams. We've been to a lot of those places, have played a lot of the schools in non-conference. Right now, TCU has kind of been the top of, of the Big 12 over the last couple years, and they were obviously our, our opponents in the Mountain West back in those days. This will, I think, be my fourth conference as a coach at BYU entering in. Um, but there's just a a great tradition uh, in the Big 12 in women's soccer, and we just hope uh, that we can add to that. It's funny, when, when we're around, everybody pulls us aside and says, hey, Big 12, Big 12, Big 12, lots of questions. And they always say, which program at the university is most prepared to compete right away? I don't even hesitate. I go, our women's soccer team can compete with anybody in any conference right now. A am, am I right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we feel ready to go. I mean, it'll... It'll be new uh, just because the new teams, the travel is going to be a bit tricky. Um, soccer is a Sunday, it's kind of a Thursday, Sunday sport. So that will really impact our conference schedule. We'll, we'll be forced to play on Mondays 
obviously happy that they're going to accommodate us, but that does make for some logistical um, issues that we'll have to learn from more so than than just the travel alone. Um, but like I said, we've we've typically always played a very strong non-conference schedule, a very national schedule, and that's why we have seen so many of these teams over the years. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like we're ready to go and compete. You know, we don't want to sound overconfident, but we feel like we've prepared um, and that we're ready to take that next step into the bigger conference. Jen Rockwood's with us on the Wise Guys, seven-time conference coach of the year, 13 conference championships, 22 trips to the NCAA tournament, played in the championship game last year in a battle that ended with uh, penalty kicks. Uh, this home schedule you got. Colorado, Alabama, Arkansas, Utah, Gonzaga, and Santa Clara. And that's just a few. Is this the toughest home slate that you've put together in your 25 seasons? Uh, well, it's, it's hard to say if it's the toughest, but we know that it's going to be extremely challenging for us, and that's the way we like it. We, we like to challenge ourselves. We actually get to open at UNC. Um, so we've got in Ohio State, we've got some tough games on the road as well. But again, we feel like we've got to go out and play the best and learn how to deal with the best teams out there in order for us to continue to get ready for conference play and then make runs in the NCAA. So it's, it's kind of been something we've been doing for several years now is, is playing a tough schedule. We obviously play very well at home. And so we love the fact that we get those quality opponents here uh, on Southfield uh, on our campus and look forward to the, the big challenge of it. Were you looking at the map when you um, you scheduled North Carolina on the East Coast, then, then you go all the way to Fullerton on the West Coast, then you go all the way back to Columbus, Ohio for the Buckeyes before you even come home to play a, a home match? <laughs> get a few miles in right away. Yeah, absolutely. We like to challenge ourselves and, uh, you know, travel is part of the competition and learning how to, uh, you know, prepare for big trips, long trips, short trips, uh, any anything that we can handle. Um, we like to test the girls nice and early. And um, anytime you have a chance to go out to Chapel Hill and play, you know, one of the, the very most successful women's college program ever in the history, um, you know, we, we want to do that. So, um, you know, we, we'd like to play that challenging schedule. We're not afraid to go anywhere or play anybody at any time. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be on the road a lot and excited to come home with the opening, opening match against Colorado. I love that. I have to, and I know you can't see. We see all the people that are online with us. You know, asking questions. I have, I have to tell you this one. I don't know who the painted cougar is, but he says, or she says, I'm going to make a second version of Coach Rockwood bobblehead to go with my first one. So, you, <laughs> so there's that. There's that. And, and then uh, the A801 or Thea801 asks us, who should we look for up front and attack to replace Kayla and Cam's? So obviously, talking about Michaela Coolahan and Cameron Tucker. Yeah. Uh, those are some huge shoes to fill. Uh, we're not going to be able to fill them with a couple girls. It's definitely going to have to come from a group of, of players. Um, you know, Jamie uh, Shepard has been playing. She kind of held down the middle with Kayla um, as our two central midfielders. And so we will push Jamie up and, and have Liv Wade come in. And we expect that those two will do a really great job of kind of solidifying the middle for us. But we have a lot of great attacking players. You, We return... Um, you know, someone like a Rachel McCarthy and a Bella Felino who, you know, played significant minutes, score goals for us, even though they weren't always in the starting lineup. I consider them returning starters. 
Um, we've got some great, great young players that we we know can can be very dangerous. So I think it'll be definitely need to be a collective effort uh, from all of our team. We we expect all of our midfielders and forwards to be able to attack and, and get shots off and score goals. And and we attack a lot from the outside uh, back slots. And uh, we have a, you know, actually some people don't realize we have seven returning starters from our group from last year. Wow. So although we graduated some pretty key players, we return back the majority of our experience and a lot of our leadership. And then you add to that um, our new group of freshmen coming in, who I think will be giving us solid minutes right from the get-go. A few more questions tonight for Coach Rockwood. When we think of programs on campus that have to deal with missions, football and men's basketball, come to mind but your soccer team's made some significant adjustments in recent years you had five players from last year's roster leave on missions have you ever had that many go at one time and what kind of scramble did that make to rebuild the roster yeah um you know it's it's been an interesting journey since the age has changed at 19 at first we didn't think that maybe it would impact us as much as it has but you know we recruit extremely high quality uh, individuals and uh, they can serve on and off the field and we've, we've had a lot of great return missionaries come and go um, and have had a lot of success with our return missionaries um, we actually have nine girls out right now which wow. is uh, definitely wow. a challenge um, because we didn't expect you know most of the time with the girls they don't know until a couple weeks before they come and tell you that they were going on a mission so it has been a challenge, uh, but, you know, things have worked out for us in the past and we assume and, and just go on as if things are going to work out for us in the future with with most of our freshman class leaving on missions that certainly wasn't expected. Um, but then we've never had freshmen come in um, a semester early either. And so that's nothing that we pushed for. They just decided to come. And so it's it's worked out really well for us that way. We'll be a smaller roster this year. We're not. You know, you can't, we recruit two to three years out in advance. So it's not like a, a girl walks in your office and says they're going on a mission for the fall. There's really no way to replace them. Um, so we'll, we'll have a smaller roster in this fall, but again, we return a ton of experience. So we, we hopefully want to just kind of reload and get back on the field. And then, you know, 2023, we'll have a big roster um, but with some missionaries <laughs> that aren't quite ready to go. So we'll just deal with it as it comes, and that's really all we can do. So do you write them all each month that's nine <laughs> letters, or do you just send them an emoji no. and say, hang in there? <laughs> yeah, I'm not so good at that. I tell them when they go, make sure that I'm on your list. You probably won't hear from me too much, but we'll always be thinking about you and just want them to focus on their mission. And usually by the time they come back, it doesn't seem like they've been gone that long, but we're, we're ready to add them right back into the into the daily routine. So it's, it's I, I don't know why this thought came to my mind, but when you were talking about man, all these all these uh, missionaries went out, some not expected, but then unexpectedly, you know, these these freshmen decide that they're going to come in on the semester and, and have this extra time. Why does Austin Collie pop into my head and his famous quote, when you're doing things right on and off the field, good things happen. Magic happens. Magic happens like on fourth and 19 <laughs> against yeah. Utah. It happens. And it just seems like things are falling into place to set up um, the, the Cougs for another great season. Um, what, what are you most looking forward to? What's the strength of this team going to be, do you think, Jen, uh, in this season? 
Yeah, I think a, a couple of years ago, you know, we graduated a, a back line and so much of what we do with our possession and our attack starts from the defensive side of things. And so with that, we need a back line that can control the game, uh, distribute well. We play out of the back, usually from the keeper's hands, we put the ball right down uh, to our back line. And so having the experience of our back line coming back, I think is, is huge for us as we kind of build some new attacking players and as they pick up new roles and expectations. So uh, really excited about that. And just, you know, having some great central players like Jamie, who's had so much experience and Liv Wade, who, who, you know, started as a, re, you know, re return missionary, Liv uh, came back this fall and, and had to play a little bit out of position just based on what we had. And now we slide her back into the position that she started with us as a freshman before her mission. And, and again, I, I think we have tremendous leaders who have great experience. We've got an older group now, just even though they're, they have two years of eligibility, but with that extra year of COVID, you know, we've, we've got half of our roster with an extra year. And I think, um, you know, that, that, brings experience and confidence and leadership and and leading the way for these new young players. So I think just lots of exciting things. I, I, I'm really anxious to get back on the field here in about a month. When you consider women's soccer, volleyball, softball, cross country, track and field, and gymnastics, has there ever been a better time than right now for women as student athletes at BYU? You know, there, there isn't, and I've, I've seen it. I've come, I've seen it come a long way from the days that I just coached club and just thinking, wow, how would it be if these girls even got a scholarship and, and now everything that they have available to them. And certainly the women's side of, of BYU has just extremely excelled these past few years. I think we're, you know, one of the top uh, women's conference uh, programs in the country collectively with success that all of our programs have had. So yeah, it's a, it's a great time to be a student athlete at BYU. Um, and, and again, looking and preparing into another big step as we move into the big 12. Um, there's just lots of great things going on right now. When you accepted that basketball scholarship at Rick's college, yes. <laughs> did you have any idea that your life would be so soccer driven? Absolutely not. No, didn't didn't see it coming from a mile away. Not even after I graduated from BYU, I was a business finance major and just going on to teach and and coach some soccer. I, I figured I'd be around soccer as a coach at some level, maybe high school, but certainly nothing professionally. I've just been fortunate to be at the right place at right times and had people that have believed in me. And um, I, you know, I've just done the best I could. I've got lots of help. Uh, surrounding me and great athletes that have always been a part of our program and year at a time and almost 30 years later still here plugging away that's how you do it a year at a time right I, year at a it's, time that's all it's yep. it, it's it's amazing uh what you've accomplished what this team has accomplished the national exposure um we I, we can't just leave last year yet because i just i want to know jen that it was just such a tremendous year playing in the national championship game right there is there a memory, a singular moment that stands out in your mind from last year that, that maybe we don't know about it, that you could tell us about? You know, I think it's just a combination. I think when you're in it and, you know, you've worked your whole career and you've talked about it every day and especially this season about run, making the run in the NCAA tournament, it kind of just becomes another game. And so it's almost hard to appreciate it when you're in that moment. And, um, 
because you just, you prepare like every game. You don't want to change your routine. You don't want to put any additional pressure on. And, you know, when we went to Santa Clara, it was kind of unique because that was a home field for our opponent in the, in the semifinals, which, you know, everything was kind of a little familiar in, in a way, um, which you didn't think it should be. But I think where it really hit me is after the fact, and we got home and, and we saw a highlight film that just kind of wrapped up our NCAA run. And that's when it just becomes extremely emotional. Looking back on, you know, no roads are easy. We had lots of ups and downs during the season with some losses that we didn't expect and, you know, and some injuries that we had to play through. And there's, you know, Cass, you know, not knowing if she was going to, you know, be able to lift her arm up from day to day. And just kind of looking back at the highlight of the just of, of, of our NCAA run, it just brought a lot of emotion and excitement and pride for everything that this group has accomplished. And, and, and for the alumni, when the alumni were there at the Final Four, I think that was something really special, at least for me, to see some of the girls there that had, you know, Santa Clara knocked us out of the NCAA tournament like four years in a row back in the early days. And to see some of those alumni back there supporting, uh, you know, their their Cougar, their Cougar, uh, you know, future kids there out on the field. That was something super special for me as a coach to see how excited the alumni were for for this particular group. Well, tomorrow's July 6th, and the blue-white game is on August 6th. So we are just about <laughs> here, and we're excited to get you back out on the field. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks, guys. I, I appreciate you uh, talking about our team and our players, and uh, we hope to represent really well in the fall. We'll, yeah. we'll keep doing it. We love it. Thanks, Jen. Okay. Thanks, guys. Jen Rockwood, she's getting ready for her 26th season. She's got 407 victories. Seven-time conference coach of the year, as we mentioned. And I still think it's incredible that she's the only soccer head coach in BYU history. Yeah, and what and what an unbelievable. So they've had phenomenal seasons, but but last year ha- has to be the best. And and it was fun to hear her talk about the memories. And and it is cool. You go to a national championship game to have all the alumni around that have been through because those players last year, you know, they're standing on the shoulders of those players that helped build that program. Uh, to have them there and be so excited to be part of it, really cool, really cool. So she's been the head coach for 25 years, and they've made 22 NCAA tournament appearances. That's like a dynasty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, so close. That shootout was so painful. Oh, it was like, you bring that oh, up, and just I just die. The, and uh, Florida State was number one in the country, the number one seed when, when that game went down. And so it uh, starts again. Season openers August 13th at North Carolina. And uh, and then the home opener later in the month against Colorado, and of course, and, and all the home games on BYU wrong, TV. Am I wrong in that? Because people have said to, they've asked you a lot that uh, that same question, Dave, and that is, what program is the most ready to play in the Big Twelve? I mean, is yeah. it's got to be women's soccer, right? And and cross country. Yeah, that's but, true. But as far as yeah, as far as a team type thing, go out and and scoring goals or touchdowns or baskets or whatever, it's soccer. Yeah. Soccer, yeah, no I think. Question about it. And, and women's volleyball is in a great position to compete right away. BYU's track and field program, especially the cross country program, competes with anybody. But I let, we asked, when we said to Jen, you know, we, we mentioned that to her. She said, "Yeah, we're." I love that she has the confidence and that this team has the confidence. Where she says, uh, "Yeah, we're not afraid to play anybody, anywhere, any place. We can compete with anybody." And it's it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to prove it and to go out and and be a top ranked team and to 
and to play in a national championship game. So they 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 talk the talk and they walk the walk. Jen Rockwood, what an amazing job. That was fun to have Jen on on tonight. We're glad she'd come on with us. Hey, uh, this is a great time to hop on the stream and ask us a couple of questions. I am just checking the Twitter feed to see if anything's with the Big new, Twelve, uh, with anything with the Big Twelve or uh, or the Jazz. It's kind of a big story, obviously, here in the state of Utah, as uh, they're starting to and move we're, I mean, we're around. here we're here in our undisclosed studio in the foothills of Provo, um, and uh, you know, so if there's something that's going on out there that we need to address, then we need we need to know that. So. And we've got our uh, This Day in History coming up again next week. Scott Warner, the CEO of Gigs, is going to be here. Talk about NILs. Uh, the 17th governor of the state of Utah, Gary Herbert, is going to be with us as the state gets ready for Pioneer Day. That will be on July 19th. Marie Osmond coming up August 16th. And, you know, after we get into in August, it's uh, for the 26th, we've got to get a, a running back on. Because that's, that's right after our Algiers show over on BYU TV. Who do you want to get? So maybe, who, who we get, we uh, get? maybe we get Willis. Or uh, Ronnie Jenkins. Oh, you talk about talk about one of the great old school, the old greats. Yeah, uh, or we could try and get Harvey before camp. Yeah, that'd be he's got to replace uh, Algier. Harvey. I, I was thinking like you wanted to get like one of the running backs that are currently playing, like the like, actual guys. Like, yeah, oh, like Brooks yeah, or too. or get. We could do that too. Let's shoot for Unga because he's got a he's got the challenge ahead of of having to do something about all that stuff. Yep. Yep. No. And I, and I I talked to Harv recently. He's feeling really, really good about that running back room right now. He feels like not only are they good, but they're deep. So, and frankly, I might be able to play running back um, with, that offensive line line, guys, with that offensive line. I in was front just of, waiting for that. Like, I got happen. a not that great of a hamstring, my right knee. Dr. Wallentine fixed it up, but I still don't know that I could go out and play football and get hit. But, uh, um, but, I, but I think I might be able to get... If it's third and one, I'm behind that group. I think I can still I can get a first. <laughs> so no big time Big Twelve, Pac twelve news tonight. Um and, and maybe maybe that's a sign of everyone just kind of taking a breath and slowing it, it down. Med- Medward wants Matt Bellini to come on. Uh, he'd be good. He'd yeah, we get Matt. I haven't talked to Matt for a long time. Do you get the so, feeling that there's there's gonna be a little bit of a, a breather? Before the next shoe drops in this uh, conference realignment, I think the minute Notre Dame decides what they're going to do, there's going to be a big rally. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to do so anything. I, hey, and, and the Coog dude, this this is a great question. Um, says, what logos are you looking forward to add to your studio? Oh, I yeah. just finished making the new Big Twelve mini helmets, and now I have to make more. Well, let's see what happens. So, so right now we've got we've got up here, so we've got Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas, BYU, Iowa State, Central Florida, Oklahoma State, Houston, West Virginia, Cincinnati, Kansas State, and Baylor. You want you want me to make a guess? My guess is that we're gonna we're gonna have to, but we're just gonna put we're gonna put. Um, I think we're gonna put you, Arizona State. So we'll have a little fork up, up there. there? We're Arizona State and Arizona. Probably a buffalo. And, and then, then around the corner. Should we put the U around gonna, the corner? We're just going to put a tiny, tiny, a tiny little, little U a tiny. up on the end of the chalkboard right there. A tiny U. Okay. All right. So. That sounds good. Uh, yes. Uh, to answer your question, we'll get Jimmy Mack on here and Steve Young, Ty Detmer. Yeah, we can get, we'll get, we'll get All those the guys. grades are coming. We, we're we're, 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 we're going to get – we want to bring Steve on. Um, 
when the season's going to help and we'll us get break down as we get closer yeah. to, to we'll, the opener. We'll do, we'll do that too. And Jimmy Mack, we'll, Jim's doing really, really well. I'd love to get Jim on here. We'll see if we can get Jimmy on. Yeah, Ty's already a commit, and uh, and we look forward to Mark Wilson also will be on with us. Uh, we had a couple so, of quotes so, from him so, earlier. Um, Mike Z, just me, asked this. Um, he said, sorry to bring this up. Last week you were talking about the basketball men's team. Earlier I saw something about Spencer Johnson's brother was transferring from Oregon. What's the latest news on him? Last I heard, Oregon, Utah State. Yeah, last I heard, transferred to Utah State. And remember, BYU finalized their roster with their last transfer last week. So so Spencer Spencer's brother, who's interesting, Spencer's a 6'5 um, uh, shooting guard. A great perimeter defender. His brother's a big guy. He's a you know seven footer or a center, and uh, Utah State is where where he ended up. So, yeah, and um, again, we're just kind of keeping an eye on Twitter to see anything's going on there. Shaley Gonzalez, we saw a quote in the a question in there from earlier. Uh, she's taking some trips in the transfer portal, kind of looking to see what you know what what she wants is is uh, a way to get to the WNBA. What's the best right. way? Is it BYU? Is it Stanford? Is it Arizona, um, is it Louisville? But um, she, she's she's, so she's just figuring all that out right now. And she's she is the level of player. She can go anywhere that she wants to go if it's the right yeah. fit. But sometimes going anywhere you want to go isn't the best thing if you're not the feature player. So yeah, and what we have heard, and and you know, it's not a rumor type show, but it's just you and me talking. Yeah. So hey, uh, nobody listen to this because this is just me and Dave right now. It, uh, from what we understand, that that. Um, That'll, that'll be it. There's not a stream of players trying to get out and move on to go somewhere else. Right. Um, if they get her back, they'll be the runaway favorites to win the WCC. Right. Um, if they don't get her back. There's a lot of great players around, yeah, around if her. If they don't get her back, um, they'll still be a favored contender for the league. Right. Right. With her, with her, the obvious choice to win the league. Yeah. Without her, they're still a contender, in my mind. So, um, Snyderman Pro is asking us, since you two have started Wise Guys, what has been the biggest surprise to each of you to this point in time? Uh, where we host the show, they don't let us wear our shoes. That's why you see us in our socks. Yeah. Although That's, they can't I see. I probably had more questions about, hear, hear, Dave, why aren't you wearing any shoes? because can't some see house mine anymore because we moved the cameras a little bit. Some house rules, we which usually, we adhere to. We usually wear fancy socks, too, just in case. Yeah, just to, just to mix but it up. No, we're not allowed. That We can't tell where the location is for security <laughs> reasons. Yeah. But... But it's someplace in the foothills, and and we are not allowed to wear socks because in the studio part of where we're shoes. at. We don't wear shoes. Yeah, we don't wear it's, But it's kind of industrial look here, but out here it's pretty plush. Yeah, so we got to take the shoes nice. off when we come in the door. Uh, and we've so. also learned uh, or had confirmed to us that we can sit here and talk for hours on end and just <laughs> the The biggest, just the biggest thing that surprised me was the very first show we did. Because you guys are telling me it's going to be a two-hour show. And, and I was just like... And what did you... You came in with a, a cherry Coke. And I go, don't drink that. I, because are you not... That's the thing you're most surprised about. That you've been able to be here for two hours? That I can sit here for two hours and not have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, I didn't know you wanted to talk about that. But that is a stunning development as yeah. we've been together for 30 Because years. like even in a football game, everybody knows that at halftime, which is <laughs> exactly an hour and a half in... I have to have one segment off to run down to the restaurant. Sometimes, sometimes when we're walking past the concession stand and they have fountain drinks, that's enough to trigger him. And, and, he hasn't and, even drank anything yet. Jack's telling us we always tell them we can go to break if they want. <laughs> so, but but Dave has told me if I get up from this place, that I'm in big trouble. Did I say that? Yeah, you said you come on. 
you can do this. You can make it two hours. And so I've trained myself now. Yeah, and, and Jack says we can put music up and just walk around. It yeah. doesn't seem that doesn't feel yeah. Yeah. that doesn't feel natural to just say, "Hey, we're hey, just gonna walk around for a minute." The other thing that we appreciate you guys answering each other's questions, and that's perfectly kosher for this show. Yeah, um, because somebody asked about Paisley Harding, uh, whether or not she made sales WNBA team, um, and Medward one asked that, and then that's such a bright blue. I can't even tell. I can't read that. Can you read that, Dave? Who said uh, she got cut? The outlaw bandit. Yeah, the outlaw, outlaw bandit. bandit. Hey, the outlaw bandit. Why is he so bright blue, DJ? Is that what he choose chooses? Or she? Or I think the outlaw bandit she. could be she. That's a bright color. I can't even see it on the screen. Hey, are you ready for this day in history? Yep. Let's do some this. interesting things. Okay. So as you know, we wrap up the show each week with this day in history. Not this week, which we could do, or this month, because we're on, you know, every Tuesday. We just go with Tuesday. Here's where we are, and you're here's going what's with, happened. You're not going with, like, just July 5th in general. Yeah, July 5th in, in history. Right. Uh, and, and let's go back to 1865, something that I think has affected all of us at one point or another. Great Britain created the world's first speed limit law. That has a huge effect on my wife. That somehow made it across the Atlantic. It doesn't affect my wife at all. She has no speed limits. No, what I'm saying is, is it affects my wife because she's at risk for getting not just a ticket, for possibly getting a felony. Isn't it like if you go a certain number of miles over the speed limit, you can like get a felony? I would just like my wife to once recognize there are speed limit signs placed around the valley. My wife recognizes them. She doesn't care. She thinks she can go as fast as she wants whenever she wants. Let me tell you what we did. Uh, I don't know if I want to reveal this strategy, but... Um, so we, we invested in uh, the policeman's fund. Don't tell me about some sticker it's on your It's a star on your license plate. And? And so I asked my former co-anchor, whose husband is a member of the force, if that actually works. And she said, absolutely it does. And that's why she has one on hers. So I made that investment. Do you see a star on my license plate? No, you don't. Does you, it, you see a star on Diane's license plate? Does that plate? actually work? Yes, you do. She claims she's invisible when she drives past police. Uh, Brenda thinks she can just get away with it and talk her way out of it. And my problem is, is like, I just get irritated. So so I was I was up in Kaysville. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I was coming home from a road trip. Got in late at night. Flight was delayed. I came to a four-way stop. There's no cars out. I, I kind of just stopped for a minute and... And then I pulled out. And then I get pulled over because I didn't come to a complete stop. And I know you should say... Right there in the middle of the night. Is there a problem officer? Be really, really nice. He walks up. And I knew that the first security bank had just been robbed the night before. He walks up to my window. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, don't you have something better to do? Uh, like catch some bank robbers or something like that? Why, why did you other say Other than that? pull over a guy who's just... Just got home from a road trip in the middle of the night. That's my. You might as well have just said, write me a ticket. Well, he did write me a ticket. He, well, first, he made me get out of the car. Yeah, he probably he said, someone crazy like that might be impaired. He think I was drinking, like which I was drinking Diet Coke. That was the problem. I was all jacked up on Diet Coke. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not okay, good with Here's cops. something okay. else. So that was in Britain. 1937, the luncheon meat Spam is introduced by Hormel Foods Corp. Spam. I don't even know what's in Spam. I don't know if anyone knows in, what's in Spam. In Hawaii, they do Spam in a lot of things. But it's canned. They love it. They it's, love spam over there. Is is spam a meat? I don't know. I don't know. 
special parts and what? What DJs? What? Oh, so DJ's Hawaiian, and he says it stands for special parts <laughs> and meat. I've never heard that before. So I, I went to last. BYU time. sports addict says that he loves spam. <laughs> the last time I had spam. We were at Lake Powell on a boat, and my dad was cooking mac and we made mac and he was it was him and us kids. My mom wasn't on the trip; uh, I think she was home expecting. Anyway, we made it was the end of a day. We're starving. We had macaroni and cheese and fried spam and grape crush, and that might sound horrible, but it was awesome at that night. Yeah, but I have never had spam ever since. I mean, I guess if you grill it up with some pineapples and some stuff like I that, I don't think it's you can okay, save right? it. Right? Am I right, DJ? You if you grill it, it up, I, but. I, I'm not uh, sure what food group spam falls. I have a under. hard time putting bologna. I'm on not a sure if it's categorized as a meat. To me, it's some type of processed food product. There's a process in there. It's, it's been processed. I don't know what it is. So anyway, that was 1937. How about let's move up to 1954? Elvis records his first single. That's all right today. In on in nineteen fifty four, and and remember, we usually like to do a quick movie review. I did go see the Elvis movie last night. Oh, was it good? And then that's my the, the next question is first thing is yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I learned some things about Elvis that I didn't know. I feel bad for him. His the guy that just manipulated his whole empire was brutal. But is that Tom Hanks? Yeah, Tom Hanks is phenomenal in this show. Oh, really? He he's a great actor. But um, so my second question is so the first question is have you guys seen it? I, th- I thought it was good, different than I thought it was going to be. It's not just like a biography. It, it's kind of an interesting. Yeah. It's told from Tom Cru- or Tom Hanks' character's perspective, viewpoint, right? Which is okay. kind of interesting. But are Brenda and I complete and total losers that on the Fourth of July night we went to the movies instead of fireworks? I don't even want to tell you, but I'm going to. You Last don't, don't night, tell me you went to bed at eight o'clock. No, I I was willing to go to bed at eight o'clock, but instead we watched. Um, Oh, you didn't watch The Bachelor or something no, like that, no, did you? No, it was worse. It was. Um, <laughs> What's worse? It was. It was. Uh, it was not Sense and Sensibility. It was the other one. Oh no! And it wasn't Peace and Prosperity. I can tell you. I can, oh no! I can't even remember what it was, but it was that. It was. You stayed home and watched the movie. It was on, like three hours long, July. but yeah, it was. Well, we had, we watched the fireworks on the balcony. The whole yeah, because you could see it from there. Yeah. The whole valley was lit up, and that was cool. And then, and then I'd promised I'd watch this movie, and so wow. we did. What was it? What was well, it? Well, no. good for you. For pride li- and prejudice. Oh, pride and prejudice. Good for you Thank for living you. up to your promise. And here's the thing: after you hosted Stadium of Fire, and and you shared a locker room with Tim McGraw, I didn't share a locker room with Tim McGraw. You shared a trailer with him. I didn't know. I shared a trailer with Mike Hedrick. It was fully. Did Tim McGraw get his own trailer? He gets his own trailer, but he stayed in the locker room, the football locker room. So he was in BYU's home locker room? He was either in that or the visitors, but he was in one of the no, locker No, he rooms. could have been in the visitors. That's too far away from the stage. He had to be in the home. When, yeah, and so he stayed in there. He had a trailer, but he preferred to stay in the locker in room. In the locker room, which I think is, if that does not bring BYU good karma for this season, that Tim McGraw used their locker room, wow. You know what? I like to go, I like, you know what I like to see when I walk into the trailer? A refrigerator stocked with Cherry Coke and Dr. Pepper and peanut M&M's. So the line webbers just the line webbers just said not all things in the Elvis movie were true, which seems unnecessary. 
So I didn't. Okay. How, I mean, how would I know what was true and was not true? Tom Hanks said it. I would assume it's true. Does Tom Hanks not tell truth? I don't know. All I know is the pride part of the movie was about an hour, and the prejudice part was about an hour and a half. Oh, last my night. gosh. Well, after that fireworks display on Saturday night, which I witnessed from the first row. It was good. And you witnessed from the stage. You know, you know my, my favorite part of that whole thing was the, the, Jets. F, the F-35 flyover, and then the, the wing commander came on and talked. Yeah. And said that sound is the sound of freedom to our allies and to our foes. Place went nuts. And the place went nuts. And, and I was like, that's pretty cool. And he says, we own the skies. That yeah. was awesome. I like that attitude. We own the skies. Uh, there was a 70, uh, 97-year-old man uh, that was honored, former veteran. Um, but was on a number of bombing missions and got a standing ovation. And I was, I was pretty close to seeing. I wasn't too far from him. And I could just see him all tear up and... The overwhelming feeling from the 47,000 people to that guy was was awesome. So Medward told us that we shouldn't get professional bocce ball players, cricket, backgammon um, on here. He doesn't want to hear about that on the show. Can, can I add, can we just say we're never going to bring, because I watched the professional cornhole tour the other day. When you say never, it puts us in a corner. I, Okay, so I don't think we should bring the Coral champion of the world on the show. I just don't think we should. I, I don't either. All right, 1975 on this day, Arthur Ashe became the first African-American to win the Wimbledon singles title. 1989, NBC airs the first episode of Seinfeld. Where would we even be without Seinfeld? I mean, half of my English language would be missing if I couldn't quote lines from Oh, yeah, Seinfeld. We, st we still quote Seinfeld. Here's and something interesting. 1991 on this day. Major League Baseball approves the Rockies and the Marlins to start play in 1993. So it was the two-year heads up. You're getting two new teams. Colorado got theirs, and Florida got theirs. Hmm. That's, yeah, wow. But maybe the most life-saving or life-changing thing is what's next. Oh, yeah. So what year? You didn't put the year down. Was this also in? Oh, yeah, there should be a year on there. At some point a few years ago. On a on it was July on a 5th, July 5th. Jeff Bezos founded Amazon. And today's net worth, $1.1 No, he's worth more than $1.1 No, the Amazon, the, the company. Oh, oh. The net worth of the company, one Jeff point, Bezos, what's 1. he worth? 1.105 Jeff Bezos billion. is worth like $100 billion, isn't he? Is it Bezos or Bezos? It's Bezos, so I'll call him whatever I want. I left the date off on that. Uh, birthdays today, P.T. Barnum, 1810. You know, you know what he's famous for? Circus, P.T. Yeah, Barnum. Is, isn't isn't the the greatest showman about P.T. Yeah, Barnum? Yeah, uh, Huey Lewis. And, and who plays P.T. Who plays that's uh, what's his name um, from uh, uh, Hugh he, Jackman? Hugh Jackman. It's Hugh Jackman. So, what, what was Hugh Jackman in the what Marvel show? Wolverine. Yeah, he's yeah, the Wolverine. Wolverine so the Wolverine. Who now? Where's Hugh Jackman right now? Come on, people. Uh, he's on uh, Broadway. Yeah, he's on Broadway. I don't know. And, and, and the revival of the Music Man alongside Sutton Foster, who's a phenomenal talent. Okay, because we always we got to bring some Broadway to the show. By the way, it says that Bezos' net worth is $135.3 He's doing all right. He's doing all right. Huey Lewis was born on this day in 1950. Uh, and how about Otani for the Angels? Born on this day in 94. He is wow. lighting it up. He pitches, your, he hits home runs. What's your favorite, favorite Huey Lewis song of all time? Uh, Do You Believe in Love? Yeah, I like that. Do like you that believe in love? His biggest one might have been that one from Back to the Future. 
the the one that I like because I like to sing it to Brenda is uh, "I'm so happy to be stuck with you." You know the one I'm talking it. about? Yeah, you just had your anniversary. Congratulations. Yep. 39 years. Our kids asked us. Brenda didn't think this was funny. Sometimes <laughs> I say things that are funny, but Brenda doesn't think it's funny. I know. So one of the kids said, this is your anniversary. How many years have you... Like, like how many years? And I said, we have had like 20 phenomenal years together. We've been married 39. <laughs> See, That's kind of... Is that funny? I would, I would find funny? that funny, but I don't know if... Uh, no, I don't Brenda, know if Brenda, would find Brenda didn't funny. think it was funny. It wasn't funny. Because she's immediately doing the math and trying to figure out which 19 years you've eliminated from. Dr. Ketch says I'm a romantic, which is true. 20 beautiful years together. We've been married 39. So <laughs> I'm still in trouble for that. One of these days, I may drop my guard enough to tell you what I said at the OBGYN's office one time when I was on an appointment with my wife that I'll never hear the end let's, of. But I think, uh, I think we have to wait for another Let's show run that past that. the FCC before Yeah, we... we're going to run that by. I'll run that by Jack and DJ to see if I can share that story. Number ever. one movie on July 5th, 1978, Greece. Greece is the word. Oh, yeah. Number one song on July 5th, 1972, Lean on Me. By Bill Withers. Oh, I like that one. That's a good one. Have you seen the movie Lean on Me? No. It's really good. A good one? Yeah, you're going to like that one. All right, you want to take us out with Lavelle? Yep. So this is what Lavelle said. Um, when people were asking, like, are, are you ever worry about getting fired? Yeah. And Lavelle's answer was, they can't fire me because my family buys too many tickets. <laughs> <laughs> now, back then... You know, they weren't putting 62,000 down there, down the road. And Lavelle, Lavelle knew his safety net was, hey, we're going to buy a bunch of season tickets. How can you fire us? You know, I, I, as I was sitting in Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday night at Stadium of Fire, and Tim McGraw was up on the stage, and the place was rocking, and, and, and Tim said, hey, let's do Humble and Kind to end the show here. Everybody put their, He asked people to put their little lights on. Oh, yeah. And I looked up, and above the light, I could see Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and I thought, how cool is that? This is Lavelle's house. Yeah, you know, this is the house that Lavelle built. That's such a cool uh, show, and and this this Provo area for the fourth has has been awesome. I'm ever since a little kid. We used to camp out down on the street for mm-hmm. for to save spots for the parade, uh, mostly so we could meet girls. Never met girls. We're always tired. Slept through the parade. Did it every year. Uh, went and got a hamburger in the middle of the night. That's how. And and it was safe. You never. You know, it was a di- it's a different world now. And but back then it was, um, you know, it's like I was I was speaking to a group the other day, and I said, you know, we, we're a lot of us are from a generation where we drank uh, water from the fi- from the hose, and mm-hmm. we rode in the back of pickup trucks, and some of us may have shot bottle rockets at each other. Those were the glory years. Hey, by the way, I was at my brother's house on Sunday, and he says, hey, I I have some bottle rockets. And I said, he had bottle rockets? I said, we should shoot them off. Like, I haven't shot off a bottle rocket in years. <laughs> and he gets them out, and we unwrap them. And we, we get, like, an old Coke bottle, like a real right. Coke bottle. Yeah, to launch. Which is, and we light it. And it, it starts to go, but it lifts really, really slowly. <laughs> and then it falls out of the bottle onto the ground. And then it goes. Like, But thank goodness it was going the opposite direction. He goes, well, that, that was weird. Let me do another one. I go, why, why do you want to do another one? Just to see. And so, so he says, just to see. And then he does it again, and it does the same thing, only this time it shoots directly at us right under my feet. I'm like, you shouldn't light these without goggles on and shin guards. And I go, what's going on? He goes, well, these are like four years old. Yeah. I'm like, I, four I, years old? Like the the the, the gunpowder in the very bottom must have been wet, so it wasn't enough to get it 
It was only enough to be, make it fall out of the bottle, and then the stuff that was dry was lit. He was going to kill somebody out there. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that um, that bottle rockets kind of lose their thing. After they lose a few their years. thing. Do not do four year old bottle rockets. That's my tip of the it day. It sounded like a Russian uh, space launch. Where tip it kind of just day. went up there and then just went some down. other direction. T- tip of the day: Don't do that. Um, other Those ad- are words advice to of the day: go, go to Stadium of Fire. That was awesome. Yeah. You, and this weekend you're busy. Like you had you hosted it was crazy. You hosted the Freedom Awards. On, and that was cool. That which was, is that, really cool. Those, those were the, the people that they honored were amazing. You got to host yeah. that. Makes you wonder if you do anything. You, you hosted Stadium of Fire. The the week before on Sunday night, you spoke at a uh, a fireside um, at our stake at, at our stake. And then, but, but then Sunday night, you what was at that? A fireside up at Aspen Grove. Yeah, you got to go up in Aspen Grove yeah. and and speak at a fireside. My title of my. Uh, talk with sports in the spirits. I wanted the the young men to show up. Yeah, you know, and did they? I'd go to that as opposed to you know we're talking about Second Kings this week with my. Yeah, so right. anyway, it was it was good. We had shared so a lot you, of you, stories, things we talk about on here. Uh, you had a busy weekend. Yeah, it was good. And that's why my voice kind of thrashed. Yeah, and then you had to host Sports Nation today and back yeah, tomorrow. And tomorrow. Who knows what we're gonna have? Yeah, you, you've got Sports Nation tomorrow. I got it on Thursday. We'll we'll, we'll man that for you guys in the morning want to catch us a little bit later this week yeah over on byu tv and then uh who knows what the world will look like for college football when we sit back down when here we next get week. back down here next tuesday i think we're gonna have i i do think we're gonna have more answers about if the big 12 is gonna expand or not whether notre dame and oregon or and maybe another team are also going to the big 10 i think we'll know that by by the by the end of this the end of this week so all right you're gonna listen to our podcast you can go to youtube watch highlights from this show the hub is ysguys.com. You go there and you can just, you can just, and you can listen Find to past shows as well. Yep. And uh, again, Scott Warner, CEO of Gig, that whole NIL thing is going to be live. I don't know where we're going to put him. We're putting him in here. He's somewhere. coming in. We have to move some lights or something. He, like he needs to sit next to you. Why can't he sit over there? Because I need my space. <laughs> I got, got my girls right here with me. Listen, we're also going to have a. I got my girl. That's true. That's true. There's no room for him. We have with two my people over there. Uh, we're going to have a cereal contest too, because he's a big connoisseur of cold yeah. cereal. Oh yeah, we're going to as that. we are, as we all are. Are we all bringing our best cereal? We yeah, we'll, we'll get. Bring your favorite. We'll bring some milk. Wait, we're not allowed to wear shoes in here. Can we eat in here? We're going to see. There's Let's a lot not, of rules. in We're here. not going to tell Jack because we're going to just we'll just, just do eat it. Eat it right see here. What okay. happens, we won't we'll apologize. Hey, nobody tell Jack whatever you do. Have a wonderful week, and, everybody. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being with us. Tell your friends. Hook up with us on ysguys.com and Twitch. And, and again, we're building the biggest community of BYU sports fans in the world. We're just seven weeks in. 17 years from now, we'll be going, see, with like 15 million. This is how it started. Yep. This is how, and all of you that have been with us, you were, part of the, you, you were part of it. You launched us. So thanks for being with us. See you next week. See you next week.